Hello and welcome to Infamous, the audio podcast. This is Brandon or Mutilus on Discord. This is Parker. Go by One Who Parks on Discord. This is Jeremy. Uh, go by Jeremy on Discord. And this is Aaron. I go by Treffenwood. You go by what? <laughs> I knew this was going to happen. Treffenwood. That's his Discord, That's his Discord handle. Uh, when I look at Discord, the name clearly says Degenerate. Yeah, well, that's, that's because his nickname for the channel. Yeah, oh. it's only my channel nickname. If you if you right click DM me, I guarantee it'll show something different. Okay, God, you guys I'm are sure so... it's some Dritz to Orton fucking inside joke. You guys are like hackers or something. Kind of. It's a. Uh, it is from a fantasy the, series. The amount of time it took you to figure out that Discord had direct messaging astounds me. Like <laughs> I am legitimately concerned for you moving into this age of technology. <laughs> Cuz I was like I sent it to you you're like you have not sent me anything and I did you finally through with my direction get to direct messages on Discord and you've got like 3500 messages for me. I'm like, "Oh my god, Jeremy, you are the worst." <laughs> are you talking about me? <laughs> yes. Did you not realize that? You're like, no. "I still don't know what a message is." Uh, like, when you say DM, is that yeah. some sort of dick joke? I don't understand <laughs> yes. it. It's dick measurement. That's dick what I say. Measurement. It's a dick measurement. Yeah, that is. That's not. Look, yo. I send it me. to you daily me. just to update you on what the new measurement is. Uh, okay, so me. I know this. I know this is a bit of a segue. We're on something right now. But speaking of acronyms that can be misconstrued, uh, some of my middle school students today, I sent them a clip from a very famous uh, a British uh, documentarist and scientist. He's doing this really cool thing with a vacuum chamber, and on the bottom corner of the screen, it says BBC. And one of the middle school kids turns to the other middle school yeah. kid and goes, <laughs> <laughs> like totally beavers and butts head, butt heads. And I go, really? And he goes, yeah, you know what it means? I go, British Broadcasting Company. And he goes, oh. <laughs> he just didn't occur to him like it could be anything else. But I just love that he thought for a moment that Big Black Cox was a sh- was not only a television network, but they put it on the like embossed in the corner during their documentary wait, wait, series. Wait. That's what that means. I need to stop sending <laughs> yeah. that to people. Yeah, you should definitely stop sending that to people. There's educational but, trolls as well. Yeah, safe search on people at home. <laughs> yeah. All right. I just like to imagine there was one guy just at his computer listening. He's like, "Oh, BBC experiment," and they're just like, and he decides to BBC experiment. <laughs> Whoops! <laughs> it's like, oh my god! Like, so safe search on people. Yeah, safe search. Safe search on. Uh, or not it's an option yeah i yeah. remember i i as soon as i clicked the enter button i realized what i had done at work one day and i was like because i was trying to restock playmat tubes and the company <laughs> we carried i told jeremy this oh. the company we carried at the time was monster so i typed in monster <laughs> tubes into my search bar to see which distributors carried Oops. them and as soon as i pressed enter i was like i just closed my eyes and went god damn it <laughs> And I opened my eyes. I was like, "Yep, that's what I expected." <laughs> like, what's the worst that could happen? Types what, of monster what could tubes. go wrong? <laughs> All right, moving into announcements for today. Uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, welcome to episode one of season two, Infamous. We're doing a couple things differently. Stick with it; it's going to be magical. Mm-hmm. Uh, Parker, you uh, owe me six hundred ninety-five episodes of podcasting. Mm-hmm. Um, then you'll be allowed to retire. <laughs> when that ever gets to zero, you can stop. I thought it would be, would it be 694? I thought it was 695 when I showed up. Did you already take it down? No, I just clicked it down. Got it. Oh, God. I'm getting exploded. Find a nickel I time don't I know that. how many times I have to explain this. <sighs> no, I don't want big tubes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> take me off your list. 
<laughs> when you uh, uh, when you when you send someone a message like, hey, just you know, I have this covered, but just you know, it's a situation, and then they go, uh, what do I need to do about it? It's like nothing, and then they message you again, like, but what can I do? Nothing. Don't do anything. He's like, just tell me what I need to do. It's like, dear God, I'm gonna kill you. Makes you wonder why right. you keep anybody. But, but not really. You're not really going to Yeah, me. I should just not speak words to people, but then I feel bad for not communicating. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so moving on, um, just a heads up reminder for everybody. We have the Midwest Melee coming up on September 3rd. It's going to be at the Geekery in Shawnee, Kansas. If you're within driving distance of Kansas City and you want to play some Marvel Crisis Protocol, that is a qualifying event for the Las Vegas Open. Please come. You don't have or to... just please come in general. Just please come. It's going to be a good time. Yeah. Uh, we have brand new mats made by Muson Minis that will be probably debuting on their website sometime soon. They are not yet available to the public, but we have them. They're super cool. If See... you've ever watched our battle reports on YouTube, which, by the way, we have, um, they are the same mats as those, but they are pre-marked with deployment and objectives. All right. Well, that's all I had for today for announcements. So let's move into the news. All right, Parker. Do we have any news? No, no news is good news. We have. We were just sitting here waiting patiently for. Uh, I guess what would it be next? Would it, we already know what Shield's doing? We already know what Malekith's doing. Is it? Is it the mutants actually, they mentioned? Is I that... can. I can check. But uh, the news would be if Red Skull's going to actually release with the rest of. Oh, the there you models. go. There you go. Red that Skull. Could be fun. Uh, no, he is still, uh... Oh, Sentinels would be next, right? So we're, we're just waiting patiently for Sentinels. Oh, I, I don't think Sentinels are next. I think there's a lot of stuff before Sentinels. Well, really? Day just published the picture of Sentinels onto their webpage, as opposed to the Mini Stravaganza stream. So, that may indicate that they are after Red Skull. Mmm, that could be cool. I was under the impression they'd be later, but it... You know, that would still be cool. I would have thought they'd be after uh, Blob and Pyro, but mm-hmm. and and Logan uh, Sabretooth, but I could be wrong. Aaron, the yeah, sen- there's I- still no, just real quick, there's still no date for Red Skull. Aaron, I think the Sentinels are going to be my Malekith. I think I'm just going to drop whatever I'm doing and tell everybody, back off. I want Sentinels. I'm going to do Sentinels. Really okay. That's going to be real unfortunate when they don't show up air quotes and i get all of them <laughs> if if you can play eight sentinels i will be taking out a loan and i will be <laughs> buying eight sentinels <laughs> we'll do that you just want to play cassandra nova that much i have played cassandra nova so many times <laughs> trying to make that pitch work oh. T- turns out all she needs is some robots all that she needed was if i would be I, I think it would be wonderful if if the Sentinel box comes with a Cassandra Nova card that's just fucking bonkers great. Like just to just just bail her out. I think that'd be wonderful. But that was the news. No news. Um. So yeah, what we knew, what we know of the Sentinel sounds interesting. I'm still concerned that they're going to be impossible to balance because they're either going to be oppressive if you play three of them because it's gonna be three expensive models in one list or they're just going to be terrible because three expensive models doesn't really work from a design standpoint if three expensive models work then then models like you know magneto malekith and doctor strange would be running around all over the place and so i'm just worried that they'll make them 
overpowered to try and make them still function within like the scenario environment or they will be way too bad because they just like functionally it's too hard to make that work so it's gonna be interesting how they try and tow that line so here's my really quick just because you said something about it hot take that we won't discuss now but maybe in a future episode uh, mcp would be in a better place with no six threat or higher characters in the game all right i'll write it down I would love to talk about that. So, listeners, hold your breath. Yep, it'll be on the list. We'll talk about it at some point. It's probably when Sentinel start getting leaked. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> okay, uh, let's move into our next topic. We have currently playing. Um, Jeremy, what have you been playing lately? Uh, still messing with X-Men. Um, it's all kind of about bunch of three-point models and then what do you drop in with it um yeah that's what i've been playing i, I ran into malekith a couple times with x-men and i'm kind of fumbling about trying to figure out what best way that they need to handle it and i think it's just more bodies honestly i, I don't think that there's any beaters that i need to put in there i, I think i think the, the three pointers with a, a two point as well is the way to do it but that's what i've been working on uh, go wide as a general concept. It seems like it's the safest thing to do against Malekith. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I was gonna yeah. say X Men can go. They did. They used to kind of go wide very poorly, but now they can do it very well. No, they're, they're yeah, pretty they good a, at they it. They have a lot of good tools. They have good cards to do it. I mean, they've got lots of good things. It's just not the way I love to play. And because Malekith is hot right now, um, along with Hulk, He's so hot right now. <clears throat> there's 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 kind of some incentives for me to go okay well if i want to play x-men and play you know competitively these are some things to do i'm just learning learning x-men still all right um aaron uh what is your current list so i have two uh one is for fun at the store and that's going to be winter guard just uh give them a shot put them on the table once uh it went horribly uh but that's because it was a d scenario and uh, they have a lot of interesting support jank, but when you spread out and that jank doesn't happen, uh, might not go so well. So anyway, my fun list is Winter Guard, and then uh, TTS Season 8 Part 2 is uh, Sam Avengers with Malekith. So we'll see how that goes first game next week. Is is Malekith like a, like you switch to Cabal with Malekith, is, or do you actually just uh, put I have in Steve Avengers? The option to run Cabal, it's six Avengers, five Avengers, four Cabal, and Juggernaut. I see. It's really because I want Luke Cage with uh, with Malekith, uh, depending on the scenario. And then it's hard to get that to work in Cabal, but if I run Sam Avengers, I can run Sam, Luke Cage, Malekith, plus extra, and it's affiliated. There are also a lot of tiny Cabal members that do well in Sam Avengers, too, I think. Yep. And... Uh, Obviously, if the points allow, you have uh, your uh, core 17 is going to be Malekith and then um, Sam, Iron Man, Luke Cage. I guess that's 16. But at that point, you've got uh, Heroes for Hire, Ricochet Blast, Helios Laser, uh, Midnight Phantasmagoria, and Avengers Assemble. I mean, there's just lots of great synergy with those four models to be able to do whatever they want and keep Malekith alive. Have you considered Red Guardian at all instead of Luke Cage? Um... I threw this list together uh, right before rosters were due, so okay. that would be a consideration. I did not at the time. Okay. Cool. 
Um, moving on, I'll go me next. Um, I have been playing Convocation when I do get time to play. I've been really busy lately, so unfortunately I've been very low on the game count. Um, my Convocation list has slightly changed for the first time in probably three months. Sork Supreme taking a bench seat? Yeah, I definitely cut him, <laughs> you fucking psycho. Alright, so the change I made was I cut... Uh, magic, finally. We've talked about me cutting her for a while now, but I just never could find something to replace her with. So I have uh, Doctor Strange, Horse Supreme, Ebony Maw, Ghost Rider, Doc Voodoo, Blade, Mordo, Clea, Hood, Wong. The new model is the Ancient One. Um, and so Ancient One is aimed as an experimental um, tool against Malekith. Um Part of the reason is she's got a good energy and mystic defense. Uh, she has martial artists, so she gets the um, blanks against energy, which nullifies his pierce. She also gets to reroll her defense dice. Um, so she's three dice with blanks with rerolls against his attack. She's also six hit points. It's really hard for him to one-shot her. I think he can probably still get her with a double attack, but it's close at least. Like, you can get lucky. Also, with the Convocation leadership, she can potentially place out of range. So if he's charging in to hit her and then she places out of range too, it can potentially get her out, but not always. Or alternatively, if you're doing the reroll, she gets a third reroll on defense if you're attacking her and she hasn't activated yet. She also has an um, auto-stagger attack with her spender, so that's cool too. Yeah, also and the crits also don't work. Also, it ignores crits. Yeah, yeah. That was part of beat me to it. Uh, ignoring crits on eight die attack that auto staggers is like the last thing he wants to get hit by yeah. and it only costs four so it's not impossible for her to get to um she also can advance him if he attacks her so she can actually i think if you if you have the power to spend for the wins to push him short and then she places as a result of the damage i don't know if assuming that he doesn't bump anything i think it's impossible for him to end in melee with her after both of those movements if there's space to move him. And so, and you resolve the push. So one of the cool things about her is that if somebody bases you and you attack her, she can still push you through her. Yeah. Right. Isn't that right? Is that yeah, because the pushing model is ignored for contact. Right. So you can just send them behind you. And yeah, then you, she just suplexes the bog tigers. Yeah. Like get the fuck out of here. Yeah. And then she like, whoop and runs the other way. Yeah. It's really interesting. So that's cool. Um, I did used to run, um, what was the name of the card? Um, a journey through limbo, and so I cut that because obviously magic's not in the list anymore. Uh, so I'm running brace, patch up, a bar with no doors, plane of poldock, ironbound books, shush, hoods gang, book of Cagliostro, deal with the devil, and I've added eye on the prize. And so eye on the prize is for the worthy mission. So strange can get two books on the first turn without having to take Clea or having priority. Um, so yeah, I I'm kind of excited to play it. I am not really a big fan of ancient one. Because I never felt she she filled a role, and I prefer um, I think Blade is a great four pointer in the affiliation. So I've never really needed a four point slot with her, but now that I think she has a tool against Malekith, because I think Convocation specifically is going to struggle against Malekith. So we'll see. They're weak to energy in general, and they rely on rerolls on offense. So those are two things that do not like Malekith. All right, Parker, what have you been playing lately? Uh, I've still been playing Inhumans, and really really enjoying it um are there two character slots in it that i'm still staring at i don't know what to do i've i've put all different kinds of things in it 
like um, Honey Badger and X-23, but they don't really work. I, I think Inhumans like Inhumans a lot. They usually like a one splash character, maybe two. And so, and, and since uh, if you get my red missions, I have all the single extracts, then Black Cat feels so great that she takes up one of the slots. Uh, Ghost Rider feels so great in them. She He often takes up one of the slots. So it's hard to take two other out-of-affiliation characters. So because your out-of-affiliation characters are sometimes uh, feel so good with those two, then I'm trying to figure out, like, what do you splash in the list? What do they not do really well? And I haven't really identified that yet. Still trying to figure out precisely what I want. So I've considered putting Ronin with a Power Stone back in just because he has a cool power generator if I didn't want Ghost Rider. For example, I want to be affiliated to use maybe another good guy. But still trying to figure out who's who's best last. But I think I think Inhumans... I, I really enjoy playing Inhumans. For the main reason by far is people don't know what Inhumans do. They're slept on <laughs> so hard that no one knows. And so when I do something with them, they go, they could do that. Like that's, I, I hear that so much. Um, mm-hmm. If it's, um, and the combination of passive rerolls and perfect knowledge power uh, manipulation is a, it's not just background noise. It is something that enables win conditions. Um, so I, I was, I've been very, very pleased with what, with what they do. The hardest part of them right now is probably on getting the list down on the board that I'm really excited about playing. And that's, that's primarily Black Bolt. Black Bolt is a five damage turret, sorry, five damage, five point turret. And it just takes up a lot of the list space. He's fantastic. He's really good. Worth five points, I think. But he's still, it makes it difficult to, to build a list with a lot of flexibility in it. So cool. All right, well, that's going to feed us right into our main topic. Uh, Parker wanted to know how to build a good list because he's going to go to a tournament this week. Mm-hmm. That's what you said, right? That was the topic. I'm going to a tournament, yep, and I wanted to. I wanted your guys' opinion. Um, I could keep playing what I've been playing because I've played it a bunch. Um, basically, my question is this. Is playing a sleeper faction like Inhumans, which I have, I feel now very confidently that I can play Inhumans at a level that will that will enable me to take advantage of the fact that my opponent does not know what I'm doing. Like, the, my opponent will be surprised. So is that, by itself, worth enough to take? Or should I put it down for a faction that everyone agrees is strong, but everybody has played it 18 times with it and against it? I mean, are you trying to win, or are you trying to climb a mountain that no one's climbed before? Uh, I've tried to win, and I think... Okay, so there you go. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think... <laughs> I mean... So, so, Jeremy, you're saying that you think that there's a big enough power scale in this game that you can't just take whatever you want to a tournament and expect to do well? Correct. And the single reason isn't necessarily that Inhumans and the models they have are bad. Or not even good. I think that they are great. They do not have a signature tactics card, and they have a monstrously expensive leadership or leader. So those two things handicap you. Everyone else that's competitive right now has a tactics card that changes the game mm-hmm. and a leader that is a value. So you can go wide and you can do really, really strong shit. Just being good 
doesn't win you that last game or it doesn't carry you five games through. Maybe four, but I just don't see it doing five. Mm-hmm. So technically, Adept kind of talking to Omnis, and he said that he thought there was, I want to say like four affiliations that could expect to win a tournament at the time, but the game is very different now than it was then. Like mm-hmm. we've had a balance update and like all kinds of stuff. Um, but at the time, that was when like Avengers, were, spam Avengers were fresh onto the scene and um, Black Order was still at full strength and uh, criminals were still at full strength. So that's uh, interesting. So Parker, of do you have like a list of options that you would expect to be able to play at the the melee and expect to be able to play well? So I guess is this like a, a list option, or are you just saying should we build a list that you think you could run? Oh, I don't, I don't know if I have to build a list, um, but there's something to say that all the only list I've been playing recently is Inhumans, and I feel like I've actually been tuning recently. So if I wanted to play, for example, I I feel pretty confident about Shield. I think. I think I could play Shield very well. I think Shield has a lot of good play into most everything. Um, I do not have a Shield list designed for a Malekith meta, for example. I don't think my Shield list is really designed for that. My Shield list is designed to do what I wanted it to do, and it does it well. Um, I think if I didn't play Inhumans, I would probably play Shield. If I didn't play Shield, um, it would be uh, pretty much a toss-up between Shadowlands and Guardians. Um, I think. So, so in... l- let me. So, I think what you have just said, the things that you were looking for. Now, I get in humans being original. That's kind of how I feel about that. It's original. Nobody's really done it and been that successful with it. But if you want to do shock and awe and cause some shit because people don't know what you're doing, Shield is actually very good at it, and they're actually they have tactics cards. And they mm-hmm. actually have a leader that has value, like a four-pointer yeah. that pukes out two models. That's pretty damn good. Yeah, I, I think I think Shield is superb. I think also I enjoy I enjoy their playstyle, which it is kind of a a grindy playstyle. I enjoy it. Um, so I, I, think, I, Aaron, I wouldn't be you're upset at all quiet. Shield. Yeah, yeah was... well, because you guys are talking all the time. Yeah. Uh, so I'll take I'll take Devil's Advocate here. Uh, I, I was trying to look up the uh, the numbers for the who just made, you know, season eight cut. Uh, I would I would argue that any affiliation that made season eight TTS cut could theoretically win any tournament because they went six and over five and one to get there. Mm. Um, I think Inhumans could do very well uh, for two reasons. One, uh, the data that we got at uh, Bug Eater, right, Brandon? There were two Inhumans players who both went two and one um, that final day. Um. Yeah, um, and the guy I played, Jeremy from Omaha, he he had every right to win the game that we played, so he easily could have gone three zero. Uh, so I, they're just a little, a very small sample size, but anecdotally, I don't think they're bad. I think people don't play them because they feel that Black Bolt is a tax. Uh, mm-hmm. If Parker, you have found that they're he is not a tax, mm-hmm. then I think that invalidates why a lot of people don't take them. Um, I think especially the turn one jank that Inhumans can do can flip a game on its on its end. Mm-hmm. People are used so, to seeing turn one jank from X-Men. They know what X-Men are going to do. You may completely surprise who you're able to attack with uh, or what you're able to do with like a turn one Black Cat Steel, um, even against an experienced player just because they don't have the reps into Inhumans. So I think that gives you a leg up 
if you're confident with your list, you know, both playing it and uh, and 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 the the list you're playing against, right? <laughs> so I think that goes a long way. Uh, I would not necessarily discount being able to take in humans and win. Uh, now I will caveat all of that by saying if you have tested in humans and found that you have X many bad matchups, then you need to find something to cover those bad matchups. Mm-hmm. But if in your testing you're like I I, I win every game, or I know how I could have won every game. Mm-hmm. Then, then why not take them? I do want to say that I like to, um, you know, shit on Inhumans a lot, and uh, I don't think they're actually bad. I tell people that they're trash all the time. It's just a joke. <coughs> um, I think that a lot of their strengths, though, do come from unforeseen situations. They create really weird interactions on the table. Like, perfect example how many people on deployment would expect a turn one black cat steal? Like, I don't think people expect that kind of shit to happen. Mm -hmm. And because they just don't see it, because I think inhumans are probably one of the only lists that would ever even try something like that. Um, And it costs them almost nothing to do it. Mm -hmm. Like the amount of damage you can put out on the board on turn one. Well, I guess now that we're talking about it is a lot more expected, but (laughs) Well, should I wait and post this till after the tournament? <laughs> it is because <laughs> I would be willing to bet the percentage of people listening to this that will also be at the melee is higher than any other tournament. Well, but... also to be fair, the people the people who I, I I mean I've been playing against a lot of those people who are also going to the yeah, tournament exactly. who also listen to this, mm-hmm. so they they know what it does. But one of the things I've really appreciated about my list and the construction of it, the what I've seen, is its turn one play is so consistent it. To deny me would be to start losing, right? You're you're going to be mm. at a huge deficit. If I have, you know, if it's a, if it's a, and I always forget the the letters, but F, right? If it's an F deployment, and you decide I'm just going to let him have the center on gamma because I don't want to be, I don't want to be auto ruined on turn one because of, of because of the shtick that Lockjaw is capable of doing, and it's also, uh, you know, a, a single extract then you are about to give me four points on turn one. And I don't, I didn't do anything. All I did was play Inhumans, and you gave me four objective points on turn one. You mean Echo, not Foxtrot, but yes. Oh, sorry, Echo. Sorry, yes, Echo. Sorry, not Foxtrot. So yeah, for E, that uh, that, that deployment, it, if you chose to give it to me, because I also have Black Cat to take a huge bonus on the extract, it is... It's very, very difficult, I think, to play against humans and not go ahead and go like, well, okay, I got to do something about the objective game because he has Black Cat, so I'm going to have to play the Secures. And so I go, okay, whoever you send to a center secure is going to die. I will take down one of them. I Um, think also a lot of the stigma around Inhumans was at the time they were released, they were not as effective as they are now. Mm-hmm. Not only did they get a couple new releases that integrate well into their affiliation, because they've gotten, um, most importantly, Miss Marvel is huge, but there's a lot of newer characters that were not available at the time of release that she, they turn on, like Black Cat's perfect example. Uh, someone who can threaten the entire board with an objective steal on turn one. Uh, like Someone like Bucky, who can threaten attacking anywhere on the board on turn one. And so all that stuff, like they, they were not balanced around or they, they you didn't have the experience of playing with them at the time. And so I think there's a huge number of like cool, interesting plays they can make that other affiliations can't. And so because of that, the sum of the parts now is greater than the individual, which was probably not true when they were first released. There, 
there is something I have learned, Aaron, your, your comment about like, what don't I do or what doesn't it do well? One of the things I've noticed with a good, a good, <clears throat> a good uh, foil would be shield in shield. If I'm doing really well, like all of my characters are on their healthy side and I'm maybe I'm down one point, but I, but all my characters are on their healthy side and they've already lost two. Like, I feel like shield really tilts the table really hard and it slides down. I don't, I have not played many shield games that were a slug out. If I lost this shield, I lost really fast because I had bad dice mm -hmm. or a bad scenario where I, or, you know, you know, my opponent had something really, that really did well um, into what I was doing. Like black order, I think does pretty well against shield stuff like that. But um, however, in, in humans, I am trading like, uh, I at every game I've won, I've also lost a character, and date, and my, and several of my characters have been dazed. Um, it's aggressive, and I don't have a lot of defensive tech except for the one rerolls that they all have. Uh, the only character that seems pretty sturdy is Black Bolt himself, which is great because he's the leader and he facilitates a lot of stuff. But everyone else just dies, so I need my early stuff to happen if attrition is the way that I win, because I am actually trading my characters a lot for their characters um they play fair in that way whereas some factions like shield don't play fair like that um i can i can reasonably expect to play aggressively with a character and they won't die because i've got eye in this guy i've uh i've got you know bodyguard you know i've got, I've got this that and the other that's going to stop them from finishing my character or i've got dr and physical four on my three pointer so or you know basically Shield has go fuck yourself all, written all over them defensively, whereas in humans is I'm going to take it on the jaw, but I'm the but their their output is so consistent I do not ever miss the amount of, I always have my power to do all the things I want to do I always have uh, a lot of damage coming out really consistently so I am losing slower than my opponent but we're both losing when I play Inhumans that's something I've noticed. How many games of Inhumans have you played that you think you won the game because your opponent didn't realize something you could do? Um, because I think every game I've watched has been like, oh, I didn't know. Like some interaction happened they weren't expecting, and let which meant they made a horrible mistake, but at the time they didn't realize it. I think uh, between the perfect knowledge of Black Bolt moving around power and... Uh, being able to do that every turn, that's the thing that surprises people. They go, oh shit, this person only has one power, so I can ignore them. And then two turns later, they have power, and now they're doing their whole thing. Um, between that, or Lockjaw's first turn shenanigans, or Black Cat, I think every game has had at least one of those moments when somebody did not realize. That being said, if you had played against Inhumans a hundred times, I don't know if you stopped me moving around power. I don't know if you stopped me using lockjaw earlier or stop my black cat uh, it would just shenanigans. be having the knowledge of what to right. expect so they might make different decisions on their own right yeah but at the same well this is one of the things uh we talked about this actually in one of the games she's like man i didn't know that medusa was going to end up having three power to start her activation so she get to do all of the stuff she wanted to do and i said yeah but would you have attacked her to just give her the three power immediately hope you one shot her with someone like you had to one shot medusa Without rerolls and me rerolling my defensive dice, with my Inhumans card was on, so the 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 Inhuman Royal Family, so I had perfect reroll once and all their little rerolls. So you had to one shot her with one activation because if you give her any power, she just activates then and does it then. Basically, I can be patient with Medusa, or you give me a little bit of power and I just do it now. But the same thing was going to occur, and he goes, "Yeah, I guess so." 
So that's one of the things that I'm learning about Inhumans is is <laughs> unlike some other factions where I can forget Medusa and it's true. And with Inhumans, you can't forget Medusa. At any point, she could just be turned on. Don't don't. Everybody's live with whatever it well, is. Somewhat like you could do other things other than just attack her. But yes. right. Yes. Like getting her out of range three of her allies prevents that from happening. Right. For yes. Um, there's actually Aaron. That's actually something that I haven't got to play yet. Is everybody's been very obliging. Um, every game I've played has not been a D deployment, for example. Um, so I, I have had yeah. the the separated ones where it's two Cs. I played a lot of those uh, Terrigen clouds and stuff like that, um, and that that works just fine. But yeah, I, people people like to think that's a split scenario, but it really isn't. It really like, is. It's just a it's just a redeploy and then merge again. Like it's mm-hmm. just. The deploy, you just walk to the side and then to the middle. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I haven't I haven't seen a D or an extremist, you know, or something like that. I haven't seen one of those. I don't think I would struggle that much. I don't think it would, but I haven't done one yet. So I haven't played into you, but if you're using Black Cat and Lockjaw in most of your lists, I wouldn't be scared of it. I think you need more oomph. Uh, Take that as a completely unseasoned critique. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then my other comment is, I think the thing that's doing the best in the meta right now is a one big boy list. Thanos, Malekith, Mags, uh, Hulk, plus three support models is your basic uh, 17. Uh, pick your faction, whether it's Guardians, Cabal, Avengers. Um, I think you need to have that... an answer for that. Is that actually three support models or just three smaller models? Smaller. Okay. Uh, so I think those are the lists prototypically that are doing the best right now. So how are you going to co-op against uh, Avengers I... with Hulk or Malekith with Cabal or, or Thanos anything? I have played four games for some reason with Avengers with Hulk uh, with Inhumans. And it's been the it's been the best games I've ever played against Hulk with Inhumans. Yeah, I, I think Inhumans are actually good against that archetype. <clears throat> Because they can just dump all their damage into one guy and kind of ignore everybody else. Yeah, it's been uh, Lockjaw gives me plus one plus one damage eventually, but he 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 usually doesn't get to activate first. But um, Black Bolt's going to devote so much damage, and everybody is going to do a lot of damage. I have not felt like Black Cat is a real big negative. However, there was one game that I saw a big attrition game playing and I just didn't play Black Hat even though it was a single extract. And I went, I'm just going to go ahead and play nothing but beaters and beat him down. And that worked just fine. Um, okay. Black- My biggest concern would be specifically Malekith. Not only do you have a limited amount of experience into him, uh-huh. that I believe it's zero. I have not got to play Also, I think that Malekith is specifically good versus your kind of attacks. Mm. A lot of them are just slightly above average with a little bit of dice mod sprinkled on top. And so I think he's actually good against that, or at least l- least resilient, or more resilient to it than most people. But he is the kind of person that will also get through your slightly above average defense really easily. Yeah, I think Malak. I think Malekith would be difficult for Inhumans. That is one thing. I think I... one of the good things, though, if you're taking Black Cat, it's actually always good against Malekith because you can just move long, stagger him every turn, and so he has to kill Black Cat immediately or else he's going to get staggered three, four times. Mm-hmm. And so that's a problem for him. I actually consider putting Iron Fist in the list uh, because you can make, 
you can make a a top of two. Uh, like I'm gonna let you, you. I think it's top of two. Uh, it's close. Maybe it's bottom of two. But you can make an iron fist that can do the iron fist really fast in an inhuman list if you want to go all in. Mm-hmm. And I say all in, but you don't actually have you don't actually go all in because you have lockjaw. Lockjaw gets three power, and you actually are going to do some other things too. That's the thing I like about Inhumans that I've played. At first, I was like, oh man, I played Black Cat. Well, that's all my power for the turn, all devoted to Black Cat. And then I played it. I was like, no, it's not. I still did tons of stuff. Like, mm-hmm. it's just fine. Because Lockjaw's it's just two. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not even two. It's really one. Because you hand her a second power early in the turn. That way you're set up for the steal. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, I fucking dare you to look for it. Yeah. And you just never give her the third power because she doesn't need it. Mm-hmm. And then on the second turn, she's already got three. So then she starts giving power away. And then she mm-hmm. turns into a power battery every turn until you end up needing her to steal something. Mm-hmm. It's like... Yeah, so it's it's not really a loss because then she's just wandering around every turn, staggering somebody, which is fine. Right. It's been uh, also Black Cat has a Pierce attack. Uh, in one game, I was like, uh, oh, I think uh, Miss Marvel picked up the the red. Just she just happened to pick it up because he didn't mm. even go check it at all. I was like, oh, Miss Marvel, go check that because she doesn't have nothing to do. And she picked it up immediately. And so then Black Cat uh, just waited for very late in the turn every time, and they would. Lockjaw would uh, interracial bloodhound, and she'd go up and five dice pierce someone, and she actually would daze people because she can. Mm. Um, she's she's nearly as good as you know uh, a X twenty three attacking with you know X twenty three minus the reroll is feels great. Um, so yeah, it was uh, the more I talk about them, the more I I feel like I can keep playing them. It's only. You know, is, is am I going to run to a brick wall? Is there is there a glass ceiling for them that I just haven't reached yet? The the huge question is, can they beat Malekith? I think, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of different versions of Malekith, so it is dependent. But I think the only thing the only thing I see that would functionally stop you is if you just defi- decide or discover that you just can't beat most Malekith lists. Very like it's a huge uphill battle. I think that's the only big noticeable negative that you would see a long way off. Um, is uh, presumably not always, but presumably Malekith is, might be taken in a slightly larger point game. He might be not be taken sub seventeen. Have you guys seen that, or do people totally uh, not? Well, you should him? ask Aaron, but I don't think the point total is ever going to prevent somebody from taking Malekith. No. I'm playing him at fourteen. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, I was I was wondering about that. I think. Um, am I, I wrong? He's actually better at low points. Uh, am I wrong that Ghost Rider feels good into Malekith? Am no. I right? I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. yeah, Ghost Rider is the, the secret sauce. Okay. If you can keep Ghost Rider alive, I think you win the game. But he's already so fucking hard to kill that I don't know that it really matters. It's just mainly, can you stop him from dazing Ghost Rider at the most important time? Mm-hmm. Right. Because, yeah, he's going to probably end up taking four damage over the course of a game just for Ghost Rider being alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's I also found... the problem is once you go to KO, because Malekith is really good at, at, the, at the Thanos play, like the Black Order... I'm going to kill you. I'm going to get priority. I'm going to kill you again. You never get to activate. Like, whoever that is, Hulk, She-Hulk, Ghost Rider, pick your model. Malekith can probably do it. Mm -hmm. Um, And Ghost Rider says, oh, that was nice. I I get to come back and activate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's what's so scary. And you just park him next to either Luke Cage or Steve, and he comes in. It's like, all right, Steve's going to get six defense dice, depending on the situation, maybe with blanks. Maybe with cover, it's like, what are you doing? And you're like, uh, 
shit. Like, I don't know what to do. It's like, so you go in on him. It's like, I either count my crits and die, basically, because I take like four damage just from Ghost Rider being there <laughs> to try and daze Steve, or I keep punching Steve without crits and try and punch through that fucking bulwark for like 10 minutes. And so you're just in a really bad spot either way. Yep. Yeah. I think probably Avengers with Ghost Rider is one of his worst matchups. Yeah, I see that. Also, because you also can have Iron Black... Man in the back, just like yeet cannoning him whenever you feel like. Right. Also, and also you you can afford a Black Widow who just stays far away and is his second body, and you you're pretty you're reasonable yeah. reasonable. Sure. You have a reasonable chance that she's not going to be defiled before he has he pops out of her. I mean, she could, but yeah, it's a huge waste of investment. Yeah. Um, the other thing is that he's going to Spirit of Vengeance on every single die roll he makes, even if it's only for one, because it only costs him one power in Avengers, so mm-hmm. every even if you don't intend to roll criticals, you're still taking damage. And he'll bodyguard every attack you make for the entire game. Uh, if you charge Steve, you, you throw him away. So the second attack is Yeah, but then Rider. he just heroes for hires into it. Like right. he'll just never let you put. But that's still. But, but it's also one attack into Ghost Rider is not good enough. Like you need to be do. You yeah. need to be taking. Him well, out. it's. I think it's primarily because you want to use Spirit of Vengeance, not because yeah. you care about him taking damage. You, you yeah. can't use Spirit of Vengeance if he's defending. Yeah. Anyway, um, does anyone think that Inhumans are bad enough as an affiliation to prevent somebody from winning a tournament? If you assuming you know good play and knowledge. I feel like who shows up. I mean, everything that Inhumans does, I feel like two Captain Americas bouncing shields off their faces and pushing them off every objective and not allowing them to do their thing. I just don't see that. I don't see them winning. Okay. I think I, I, I just see them getting pushed around a lot. And I mean, yes, Lockjaw can place a couple things, but then mm-hmm. they're placed back up and then they just get killed or pushed back again. Like, I don't like the fact that they can't other than Lockjaw, get around the table and kind of move themselves back. I, I would. Yeah. F- one of the one of their big problems is that they're a very predictable archetype. If your opponent is playing Inhumans, you have a very good idea of what their list is going to look like at finish. So you can, if you have the knowledge of how to play against them and what's good into them, it's very. They're a very predictable squad because you're always going to see, like, obviously Black Bolt the leader, probably one of the three pointers in either Lockjaw or Black Cat as their support piece and then miss marvel's almost always going to be there and then you're going to follow it up with a long-range person or medusa like that's like they're they don't tra- they don't have like a transformative sideboard that is like avengers where it's like steve or sam like they're very much in a box mm-hmm. as far as the way their affiliation plays now maybe you can find a way to squeeze in a second affiliation or some kind of pivot option that changes your archetype but it's not going to be with black bolt right I right. played against them with Black Bolt, Medusa, Ultron, and Ronin. Mm-hmm. Maybe even a two-pointer like Rocket. Uh, so there, there's a little bit of quote-unquote yeah. jank you can do. Well, it's generally they live in like the medium band. Like, like They have a lot of five- and four-point models that, that like really identify their affiliation. And then they've got the really efficient threes that round out the point costs. But they don't – like you're not going to see like a go-wide list. And you're not going to see like a I brought Thanos and Inhumans. Like it's not really a thing. I think concur. Ghost I think Ghost Rider is a really easy include most of the time. Like he works out pretty darn well, I found. Yeah. Um I like Ghost Rider in them as well. Yeah. Because he's a good power battery and he he does the stand in the middle and fight, which is what they want to do. Yeah. I think um right now it's gonna be the if my opponent being prepared for inhumans is their weakness, 
man, that's a great strength. <laughs> because well, yeah, I don't. How think many people walk around? I don't with think that kind people of are trying for it, but I yeah. think good players that just have experience into them. Mm-hmm. Like for example, I was talking about how Jeremy was playing in humans. Like so, I would assume some of the Omaha, guy, Omaha guys have played against this effective list a decent amount of times. And so if they come down and like, oh, I play against Inhumans every Wednesday, then, oh, well, that might be a problem because mm-hmm. they will just have an idea of how to play into it. And so you're not going to get a lot of the gotcha stuff, mm-hmm. which I think Inhumans as a Dark Horse option are very competitive. I think Inhumans into an, a person who has reps and knows their kit just as well as you do is not a, an effective option. I think it is a slightly subpar affiliation. Yeah, there are some there there are some affiliations that will impose their will regardless of how well you know what they're going to do. Like they're mm-hmm. going to do their thing. Yeah, like Avengers. If you properly pilot Avengers, your opponent's knowledge of Avengers is very irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Black Order, as same where, thing. Yeah, exactly. It's like, just because you know the trick doesn't mean you can stop it. As we're inhumans, there's a lot of traps. And like we talked about, some of them are like, you can't really do anything about it. It's just like, I didn't realize it at the time. But some of it isn't. Like, some of it is like, oh, I walk forward. And even if you don't find the objective, you pull off the single extracts and your opponent is spending power checking them. They're A, standing in, in disadvantageous locations and B, wasting power. And that's if they don't find it. And so if they do find it, then they're just losing the objective because they didn't do math or didn't realize that it was even possible. Some people might even think it's limited to one power per person or something. Like, they don't even consider it because they've never played a game against Inhumans. Mm -hmm. And so that's definitely an issue. Also, people are not used to playing against Lockjaw again. Like, Lockjaw's been not in the meta for a very long time. And the place my own Models 3 thing is huge. Like, people don't... It's so hard to visualize that level of threat range. And you'll just walk into it sometimes. Uh, Jeremy, I was actually going to make a point to your like uh, Inhumans thing. That that kind of statement is the way I thought about Inhumans before I played them with new models. The, it kind of go back to Brandon's earlier point of if if you played Inhumans when they came out, you they felt super static and way too static, like not dynamic mm-hmm. at all. Yeah. Uh, or Miss Marvel is right. fucking the opposite. Miss yeah, Marvel is insanely table. dynamic, and mm-hmm. and now you can play like New Winter Soldier feels insanely New Winter Soldier tied to Lockjaw is such a little hopscotch of of death. Like it feels so strong. Um, and yeah, they they literally just fucking leapfrog each other every turn. Yeah, they leapfrog each other, and your and your opponent is just like, why can't I kill? Why can't I do anything else? Because these two guys are just ruining my day. Um, I I think here's another bit is I in all my Inhumans games so far, I secure one objectives on turn one, I secure the extract on turn one, and then I remove one of your models. I don't even care that you score two other objectives uh, or three other objectives. Because I'm going to go up on attrition, I'm going to go up on my extract, now you have to work really hard to get the extract back, and eventually I'll go get the secures once your guys are dead. Because I've already, I've already knocked down, I've already knocked, turned over one, so I'll just take him off, and now you're at a disadvantage in the number of models for, to secure. That's what's been, that's the pattern that's gone so far. And so, being pushed off a secure point, if I got to double attack you with Black Bolt, I really don't care if I got pushed off. Because he's he is doing giant chunks out of your flesh. I'm trying to put what Inhumans do into like a, a game mechanic standpoint, and I, I I'm coming up with they do tempo really well. Like they they start turn two on turn one mm-hmm. because they have board manipulation with placing their own models mainly through Lockjaw. They have power sharing, so they have the ability to use turn two resources on turn one. 
and then they have above average dice because they've got one reroll on pretty much everybody. And so that combination of stuff is kind of interesting because when I think about who else does tempo, I think shield a little bit. And so both of them basically start with a noticeable leg up in the tempo department because they're doing stuff that you want to do on turn two on turn one. And so if your opponent doesn't realize the power of that tempo and walks into a lot of it and doesn't work as hard as they can to dig out of that hole as quickly as possible, they are in a bad spot. But if they are able to get the tempo back from you, that's really when they're in a really bad spot. Because if your opponent matches you on tempo, either through having another tempo-heavy affiliation or um, just good play, like maybe they have good terrain so they can hide from your early quick strikes and stuff, or they're able to hold their own on scenario whatever the case happens to be, if they're able to dig their way back into tempo and you guys are fighting fairly, I think that's when Inhumans can really struggle. I actually think Inhumans into Shield might be hard. I haven't played mm-hmm. into Shield. I agree. I think that actually might be hard for them because if if the if the Shield Grunt picks up uh, the objective, yeah, you got Black Cat, but, but you have so many activations on there. Like, Shield yeah. will always have so many activations to kill Black Cat and then take it back. Um mm-hmm. It's going to be, it would be hard to play. I'm also thinking, depending on the turn order, let's say they walk up and they find the objective on the first turn and they had priority. Mm -hmm. So they have priority, they choose blues, you get your reds, single extract the middle, Shield Grunt finds it on turn one, what do you do? You activate somebody else, give Black Hat a power, and then let's say they like do something and like somehow kill their own grunt like they throw a dumpster into the grunt and then they place it backwards now what do you do you're like uh (laughs) this is a very different situation right (laughs) like shit you she could still get it by double moving and uh vision walks forward synthesizes throws a dumpster into the grunt picks up the objective and you're like oh like (laughs) shit (laughs) yeah i guess i don't steal it yeah there are yeah there's a bunch of things. And the funny thing is, you say that. Like, oh, how, what a weird corner case. But no, that's, that's exactly totally what right Shield play. does. That's, but yeah, that, that's, that's exactly what they but do. But Shield, that's exactly what Shield does. Shield's, Shield's yeah. plays Visions. I played Vision and Shield a lot because of exactly that kind of shit. You're just like, mm. there are so many things that Shield, if you've been playing a lot of Shield, you know, I'm just going to do this really weird, uh, you know, Michael Jordan you know, the old McDonald's commercials off the back, you know, <laughs> off the backboard, off the second riser, off the, mm-hmm. the, 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 you know, the, the Jimmy sign outside. Yeah. yeah. It's just like nothing but net. Like that's what shield does. Right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I think you're fine playing shield. Um, I would say that your homework for this week needs to be get as many games against Malekith as humanly possible. Yeah. Or at least enough to know if it's apocalyptically bad or maybe much better than we expected. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that will that will basically tell you if you're in a safe spot because I can only assume Malekith will be on one third of the tables, if not more. Yeah. You gonna be there tomorrow? Me? Yeah. Oh hell yeah. Okay. You mean say Malekith. at minimum I okay. I will be back at the store at like I think eleven at the latest, probably earlier than that I would expect. And so if you guys want to play a game at that point, that's fine, for sure. And then maybe also if you can before that as well. Okay. Not to mention the Malekith version that shakes automatic um, effects is like seven <laughs> shades of hell. And I didn't even think about the Asgard? Avengers. The, no, not even Asgard. The Winter version Winterguard. That really blows. Winterguard? What am I forgetting? You still won that game. I did, but I shouldn't have. <laughs> uh, I don't know. You had some really tough models. Like, oh, I, they can I shake was a shocked. Return. 
Yeah. I was shocked at how difficult it is to remove any one of your models in Winter Guard. It was very tough. Have you tried just saying you're dead? <laughs> I, I did. He I did, you. but he wouldn't lie down. And I, thought, I remember the first time I realized my opponent was not doing math correctly on like damaging my models. And I was like, this was back in War Machine at a very important tournament. And I was like, Looked up and I'm like, and I was like, okay, so how much damage do you? He's like ten. I was like, oh, okay, picked up my model at eight hit points. He's like, goes to hit the next guy. He's like, I was like, how much damage? He's like ten. Like that was definitely a different dice roll. Whatever. I pick up my guy. He rolls again. Rolls basically the same number and he goes ten. I'm like, what's your math? And he's like, oh, well, I'm like strength really high. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> how, what is your strength? And he goes. 16. I was like, I'm armor 24. How are you doing? I was like, I was like, six, that's eight. Like, how are you getting all this? That doesn't make sense. And he's like, oh, uh, I guess eight then. I'm like, no, wait, let's add it up real quick. I was like, 14 plus your eight. That's 20. That's zero damage. And he's like, oh, my bad. And then rolls again, like nothing happened. I'm like, did you just kill two or three people for nothing? Like, and it was on a really important game. I was like, fuck this. <laughs> I was so mad. I was like, oh, I fucking should have seen that coming. I knew I knew this guy was going to be trouble. Anyway, moving on. Um, so let's move into our other little topic. Uh, this is a carryover from, I think, last week. Um, might have been the week before. We started talking about um, the relevant point cost versus actual point cost in a game. And this is kind of just a uh, gambler's fallacy or a um, sunk, cost, sunk cost fallacy of investment of resources um so the logic train is um once your game has begun and you're in a situation the point cost of your models is effectively irrelevant to the game let's say for example you have um hawkeye and rocket raccoon in the same list and you're like building your squad and you get to the point where it's like well i have three points left so i should put in hawkeye but for just this argument's sake, let's say you're playing a Guardians roster and you've already included Groot. The, the point cost of Hawkeye is irrelevant to this game. You do have an allotment of points you are able to spend. But including Hawkeye over Groot, over Rocket in that situation is just completely wrong. Like, you should include Rocket because of the synergies involved and the tactics cards you have access to. Stuff like that. The other point is, like, let's say you're going to use... Mr. Sinister to clone a model in the game. Well, in the, you could theoretically clone a model up to a four-point cost in this exact situation. You should not just only reach for four-point models. You should reach for the best model available in this situation. Because the fact that you're putting a four-point model on the table doesn't matter except for the fact that the model has four in its point value, right? So th this is just something we wanted to touch on briefly. Oh. Um, Aaron, can you think of times in games that people don't realize the situation is true and they just look at the point value and they forget? Uh, all the time, and it's usually deployment. So picture a split C, Terrigen Mist, for example. Uh, opponent deploys, let's say, a Black Panther and uh, a Steve Avenger um, on one side to go get one point. Like, okay, I've got eight points over here, and then I'll put eight points on the other one, and then I'll have a two-pointer sitting in the back. So that's how they're going to deploy their 18 points worth of models, 8, 8, and, eight, eight and 2. Uh, well, in order to counter uh, Steve and Black Panther, I'll play Hood and Magic, right? Yeah. Six points. Um, but the points are completely irrelevant. People should not think about how much threat am I committing to that side. Because yeah. those six points of models are probably going to counter them very well. Easily. Right? 
Yeah. Right? Very so, easily, I would even say. So as soon as you have deployed, or sorry, picked your squad, right, that's when you should forget 100%, unless you're playing Voodoo, uh, what a model's threat value is. It is completely irrelevant. Instead, think about capabilities, right? So deploy your models according to matchups. Uh, it's probably one of the best things that you can get practice doing uh, to get better at the game because once you've deployed incorrectly, it can be a problem to dig out of. So just realize, yeah. who do you have that's vulnerable? For instance, uh, Cap and, and Black Panther. What are they vulnerable to? Does my opponent bring the counter in their squad? And if they do, how do I mitigate that? Right. So uh, stop thinking in terms of I'm going to put you know my four to counter your four. Uh, oh, you put Maw. That's a five threat right there. Like, okay, that might be a 5-threat, but Maw dies pretty easily to Bucky as soon as Bucky gets 2 power. Uh, so think of terms of capabilities and countering as opposed to the threat values that models uh, bring to the table. Yeah, I think it actually goes a step further than that into not just of like uh, like allocating resources based on point cost, because you're right. Once the, once the clock starts, your point cost is the most irrelevant stat in the entire game. Um, I would even say in squad building that it's irrelevant. Like, obviously, the value of your models matters for math purposes for building a squad. But people think about, well, like, people are so unwilling to play a point down, and sometimes it's the right call. I'm trying to think of an of a situation. The, cl the, the obvious parallel I would draw is Wolverine and X-23, if you don't already have Honey Badger. Let's say you have four points to spend, and you've got both of these models on your list. Well, some of the time, X-23 is just going to be better than Wolverine. And pe some people would argue that's all the time, but I would not. <laughs> um, but as an example, sometimes you'll be in a situation and you're like, wait, I really want to take this combination of models, but it's one point below the threat value, so I'm going to play something else. And they end up playing a squad either they're unfamiliar with, don't like the synergies of, or just don't like the composition in general because they're afraid to play 16 points against 17 points. That's and it doesn't matter. If it feels like a better squad, it probably is a better squad. <laughs> That's exactly where I'm at with my Malekith build right now. Yeah. I want Sam, Iron Man, Luke Cage, Malekith. That's 16. I do not want to swap one of those three-pointers out for a four. They each do something perfect. Yeah. And so as an example, like Luke Cage, there's probably a four-point equivalent like Steve. Like you could take a Steve that would be pretty equivalent to that. And not every model has that. And I remember long ago on the podcast, we used to talk about this all the time is um, alternate threat levels for same impact models. So, for example, when I was building a squad, I would have uh, Valkyrie in the list, because I like Valkyrie. And so it's like, what would you do when you had three open slots in the list? Well, I put Killmonger in. It's like, why'd you put in Killmonger? It's like, because he's the four-point Valkyrie. That's the exact reason he's in the list. Because I want that Valkyrie kit in every list I play, and not every list is going to be 17 points. Sometimes we'll play 18. And my squad needs to be the same composition because I built it to work together. So you cut Valkyrie for Killmonger and you just put in nesting dolls of points, which is obviously way easier now that X-23 and Honey Badger exist because you can just do that from two to four. And it's great. <laughs> Although you probably actually put, well, really the, 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 the point value is four with Wolverine or five with X-23 and Honey Badger. <laughs> That's really the package difference. One of the things that I, uh, related to this, that is, is a nonsense statement, but I know people say it all the time is they say like, Oh man, what a great value I got it. You know, I, I used my three pointer to kill your five pointer. So that's a really yeah. good value. 
And I go, mm-hmm. well, I mean, yeah, you did you did use that character to defeat that character, but kind of like your example, whereas Black Panther versus uh, Magic. I don't know how many times I've killed Captain America with Bullseye. It doesn't make Bullseye a fantastic, you know, make more than two points. It just yeah. means he can do one damage to Captain America. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, as it turns like a... Yeah, Captain America has two damage left all the time. So or nine damage to Thanos. Or nine damage to Thanos. Right. I was gonna bring it up if you didn't. I okay. I, I was gonna leave it be, but okay. Right. I uh, totally agree, Parker, because people they view they have these like point cost goggles on all the time, which mm-hmm. is why we talked about this. Is they go, Oh, my pick random three point okay model. They're like, my perfect example. Um, black cat. My black cat killed, you know, the enemy Steve Rogers. She's amazing. I got such a good value out of that. It's like, did you count all the other attacks made by all the other models too, or did you like take for account the fact that she had to activate early in the turn to perform that action that got him dead? Like, it's it's the last thing that matters is the point cost. Yeah. Like, the fact that she got it done is is irrelevant to the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, somebody's who was I playing one day, and it was a Hawkeye. Somebody had a Hawkeye one day, and he just did he like KO'd he like dazed uh, one of my characters and ended up KOing two others, right? And and because he he took out two characters, like man, my Hawkeye had great value that game. I go, no, he didn't. He did, you know, he did like fifteen damage, you know. So like you didn't trade the points for Hawkeye for more points on my team. Hawkeye did damage over the course of the game, which is what he does. It's all he does, right? So, yes, the, he did the last damage on several characters, but that doesn't mean that he is somehow a great value versus the point levels he was able to take out. Yeah. Then, I mean, People... how often would you say, Jesus Christ, I would pay six points for a model that just had a push right now? Yeah. Like, it's like I would trade Thanos for Shuri at this exact moment, mm-hmm. please. I'll even trade equal damage dealt to her. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm trying to think if this extends to anything else in the game. Like, I I would say this actually. Uh, Go ahead. There are some characters that we talk about having value, like they do something extraordinary for their points, or they feel really really good for their points. But there are situations that you that they could be in in which they have zero value and it, their points themselves do not give them value. I think a good, uh, a good example is like Corvus Glaive, a five point Corvus Glaive can anytime kill any model in the game. doesn't matter what their point level is or mother health they have, right? Corvus Glaive is, is an absolute damage consistency monster. However, if he doesn't have a way to teleport himself from one place to another in some way, you are, you are never going to see that value because he's going to lose so much in movement actions. Um, mm-hmm. So just be, if you watch somebody's Corvus Glaive ruin a whole list, I, I've done it myself. I've seen my Corvus Glaive kill, quote unquote, 15 points of my, of my opponent's list, right? But it's because I had the ability to move him there and protect him there, and he just got to stand there and do it. So if you are not enabling the characters that you choose to do the thing that they do, they will have no value, um, even if even if you're really excited about the, the super efficient choice you made. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're not saying point cost isn't relevant to the game, but mm-hmm. keep in mind, the only time the point cost matters is up to the point you try and include a model in a list. That is the only time it matters. Everything after that is, it doesn't matter if Modoc is worth five points. That doesn't mean that you can, 
you know, need to not attack this two point model because he's worth five points. The value of their opportunities is what is important at that mm-hmm. point. And I do see a lot of people fall into that trap. Um, so yeah, just keep your keep your mind open and look at what is best in this situation because when you've once you've included the model in your roster, the point cost becomes way less important. And then once you include it in your squad, it's completely irrelevant. So just keep that in mind. Oh yeah. Um, also, Wolverine's never the answer. Wolverine is always the answer. <laughs> never the answer. Never one time. Wait till the new Wolverine comes Worst out. He's going to be so ever. fucking good that you're going to have to eat shit for so long. Dude, I love the I, guy. I just don't I love, love the guy. No, Jeremy's Wolverine. a big Wolverine fanboy. He just doesn't like this Wolverine, I think. Am I wrong? I think, I think Wolverine gets a bad rap for sure. I mean, he's certainly not an A-list character, especially at this point in the game. That is That has passed him by. Although he's... With the way the meta is shifting, he's probably coming back into his own a little bit. Um, the 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 value you're talking about, though, like people just say, "Well, X twenty three is better." Well, she's not better. Like, look at their cards. Wolverine is better. He he just costs four points. Like, that's the problem. Like, if they they both cost the same points, then nobody would be like freaking out over X twenty three. She's very good. Um, she is definitely a better model as a three pointer than he is as a four pointer. Um, but the big deal is that he's so hard to one shot. Like. Think of the the models in the game that can get him dead in a single activation. It's a very short list. Um, there are certainly models that pick on him because they have like strong board control and mystic attacks. So that's a different problem. But he can put out about as much damage as anybody in the right situations. Anyway, that's going to wrap up our topics today. Um, so we're going to move into our next segment. Parker, do you have some story time stuff for us? Mm-hmm. Uh, it goes along with uh, our big topic today, as we're talking about Inhumans a lot. Um, nice. I actually read some some brand new stuff, um, and it's it's part of uh, something that I like about the Marvel Universe that writers uh, sometimes take time to do. And I'm going to talk about a, a comic called All New Inhumans, and it's written by James Asmus and Charles Soule, and um, in the, the premise of the story is that this is not about uh, the, the, the big human royal family, so it's not about Medusa and uh, you know Karnak and Black Bolt and these guys who are like the big movers and shakers. It's actually about um, Crystal uh, and how she leads a team of Inhumans, and their job is basically trying to solve the humanitarian crisis of the Terragenesis. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Black Bolt had this big plan to release the Terrigen Mist across the entire planet, and anyone who had any inhuman DNA was just kind of spontaneously transformed into humans, whether they like it or not. And so Crystal's job, basically, is to go out and as as a, in a diplomatic mission to go to all of these other countries and all these other places in the world to try to find inhumans and help them if they want it. So uh, Part of the thing that's fun about it from a sci-fi perspective, you know I love the sci-fi, is all the Inhumans they find, the really interesting power sets and features of the characters they find, I think are fascinating. So, you know, each, each you know the monster of the week is usually an Inhuman and the problems that revolve around, you know, extricating them from the situation they're in. Um, and the Inhumans are fascinating. But another thing I love about this comic is because it's very much a, a D storyline, is... They go and they find really, really obscure parts of the Marvel Universe and make that like the focus. For example, there's a made-up country in the Marvel Universe that you definitely have never heard of um, because it only takes place in one, like, 1956 uh, Avengers comic. They were trying to, at the time... uh, make china a big boogeyman right communist china was a big boogeyman and so they made this not china china 
and they gave it this very horrible despot who was obviously Mao Zedong, and um, and he fought the Avengers and lost. Completely out of the Marvel Universe forever, right? Never mention this country again. So now they bring it back, and instead of being a China, it's very much kind of a, a pseudo-Marvel version of North Korea. And so what would happen if... You know, North Korea, in its incredibly isolationist, militaristic, you know, despotic uh, style, happened to have just random inhumans pop up in their population. Well, it would be a humanitarian crisis, and it's Crystal's job to solve that. And so, I really like um, when Marvel writers really dig deep, deep, deep into the fluff, into very obscure things, bring them back out for storylines like these, and make them important and interesting and provocative. So, um, if you like exploring the every single corner of the Marvel Universe, Earth 616, and if you like Inhumans, of course, there's some cool sci-fi stuff that goes along with them, you'd like all new Inhumans. There's only two graphic novels. They do the whole story, and, and, and they're, they're done for now. Um, but it, it's strong. It was very well written, uh, well executed, and a fun kind of jaunt off the beaten path of, you know, let's talk about the end of the world with the Avengers and Spider-Man and the Fantastic Four. It's very much a, let's, let's go solve some problems um, that happens you know, when nobody's looking. All right. Thank you for that comic corner, Parker. Um, that's going to wrap it up for us today. Thank you guys for tuning in. Hopefully you enjoyed episode one of season two. It's a brand new day. So what are we going to call this thing? I got it. Okay. Incredible, new, fantastic, astonishing, mighty, original, uncanny, sensational podcast. I'm just going to put down infamous. We did it. God damn. Yeah, sure buddy. Did. Episode one Aww. of season two. Mm-hmm. Oh, there we go. Cool. That's episode like 101, right? For those of you who are counting the full total. Shut up, Parker. I know you like down. this whole like restart thing, but I'm very much a our sins follow us to the next life. I'm pretty sure we're still <laughs> oh, the yeah. same people. <laughs> That's entirely possible. I know I like you're to all think for there'll new be, beginnings. I like to think there'll be more enemies, like a lot in this version of us. Um, possibly mm-hmm. some sort of dance dance scene in like a black a black costume this time. Mm-hmm. Things like that. You know, just double up. Just double yep. triple. I think I'm, I'm going to reach about a, it. I think I'm gonna reach a power level where my hair turns blue. I think it's gonna be <laughs> <laughs> in this nice. everybody, everybody catch up on She Hulk. I have nice. seen She Hulk. Not yet. I have I have not. Really? Um, well, my wife and I started watching Sandman, and so like all of our all of my TV time is going towards Sandman right now. We have not finished Sandman yet, so the goal is to finish Sandman and then start on She-Hulk, presumably when there's already some episodes in the bag. So mm. maybe we can finish at the same time it finishes. Yeah, I I was sad that there wasn't more episodes out. Like I wanted to watch more of Sandman. No, of She-Hulk. Yes. Okay. Good. There we go. I paused on that one. I paused on Sandman because I got into other stuff. Um, I'm watching, I'm getting all the way through like Yellowstone at this point. 
I just yeah. ended season three. Yeah. Okay. Oh, man. Okay, so that show. That's an intense season ender. Oof. Okay, so that, that is like fucking sex in the woods right there. So intense. W- when you guys mentioned that show the other day, you're like the second like people that I've heard Yellowstone. That show around. is legit. And so I started watching that show. That show is fucking fun as hell. Like really it is intense. Fun. It is. <laughs> yeah, it's the mafia. It's but it's, it's like country. If it's <laughs> like if Breaking Bad and yeah. and a Longmire had a kid. And the yes. kid liked killing people. <laughs> like that's basically the situation. Yeah, yep. homicide is never investigated in Yellowstone. It just doesn't. <laughs> no, it's no big deal. Every problem can be dealt with by murder. Well, like it's hard for people to fathom. Like, what is? It's a two thousand acre ranch, right? Oh no, it's like fifty it thousand acres. It's a fifty thousand acre <laughs> yeah. ranch. People can't even imagine how much land that is. Like, think about it. Yeah. Uh, here I'll just Google it. How many square miles is 50,000 acres? 78 square miles. Yeah, that's, an, oh, that's, I that's a lot. Thought it was, I actually thought it would be bigger, but that's still a lot of fucking space. Uh, would you like to know something really uh, interesting I learned about the other day? Have you guys ever heard of the Zone of Death? Speaking of Yellowstone, have you heard of this? There no. is something called the Zone of Death that a law professor actually discovered um, because of a weird quirk in our in the in the uh, Constitution of the United States. Uh, the Constitution says specifically, whenever you uh, commit a crime, that you have a right to be tri- uh, tried by a jury of your peers from your state and district, not oh, state right. or district, state and district. It must be both. And there's only one place in the United States where you cannot be tried by members of your state and district. And that is in a sliver, a very small sliver of Yellowstone National Park. But because since it's a federal uh, park, it is technically like a federal land, which means if you commit a crime there, it's a federal crime. And like you need a certain or you need a certain member, you need a certain number of juror members from your state that yeah. you commit the crime in. But since Wyoming, just a little bit. I think it's a sliver. Or no, it's Nevada. There's a sliver of the park, like 200, uh, 200 acres by like 10 acres or something like that. That's mm-hmm. in the wrong state. If you commit a crime there legally, there is no way to form a jury against you. Yeah. So there's no way to try you for a crime. You can commit a crime, and you can be charged for the crime, but they cannot be arrested, and they can yes. like incarcerate you like, right. while you await hearing. But as soon right. as the trial is established, it'll be a mistrial. Yes, they cannot. They can't. According to the federal constitution, they cannot try you. So it's been, it's been well known for like 18 years that this place exists. Now it is the middle of the fucking nowhere. Like there's nothing to be had there. How convenient. Right. So if but if you want to, you can go to the zone of death, and they. Right now, there's nothing in the Constitution. Now, the thing is, would a state attorney and a federal attorney, would they try to prosecute you anyway? Well, of course they would, right? Like, they would try to make it happen, and they could try to set a precedent or something like that. But if you had a good lawyer that was willing to continue to fight it, there is no way, according to the, the Constitution of the United States, to try someone if you commit a crime in the zone of death. Oh, uh, holy fuck. Jeremy, you were incorrect, and I was also incorrect. It is not 50,000 acres. How many? 776,000 acres. Ooh, that's what it is? That's that's not a small boy. That is a big boy. I might have been thinking of uh, the, the amount of land they're trying to take for the uh, airport or whatever. 
Yeah. That's probably what it was. Yeah, the whole that whole story reminds me of the Rick and Morty, the roller coaster thing. <laughs> Holy fuck. That's twelve hundred square miles. <laughs> That's so fucking huge. Okay. Yeah, so twelve hundred square miles, so it would be what is sixty that? by sixty? Is that my math right? No, it's about a hundred by a hundred. It's a hundred by twelve hundred or oh, hundred by ten. Hundred by a hundred and hundred and ten by hundred and ten. Okay. Miles. Uh, so so if that hundred ten hundred by hundred ten fictional miles are next to the zone of death, then they can just slowly <laughs> saunter over. Which I mean, obviously I, they are was... because no one gets prosecuted. Well, I'm just thinking, like yeah. practically, like if I told you, like, hey, I killed this guy, and his body's buried on my land, mm. they're never gonna find it. Like that's so yeah. huge. Like like we just bury him somewhere on the property. Okay, and you're yeah. like. Uh, in case, in case one of our listeners goes into our Discord, yeah, and tries we're not to, actually gonna do this. Yeah, in case one of the listeners goes into Discord and tries to prove it wrong, I found the actual loophole. It says, okay. it says, I didn't get it right. You have to have district and state according to the Sixth Amendment, and it says, charges for a crime alleged to be committed in this area of the park in Idaho would have to be tried before a jury consisting entirely of residents of that area in Idaho, and the trial would also have to take place in that area. That Idaho portion of the park, of course, has completely no people because it's Yellowstone National yeah. Park. It's national park, so there's yeah. no residents. Right, and there's no place to have the court. So technically, you can't be tried for a crime there, or rather, you could be, you know, you can be arrested. But although still... arguably, you're not supposed to be there anyway. So well, no, you can go to the park. There's... You could be touring the park. I guess, yeah, there's so there's like... a road to, into this area. There's only one road though, because it's not a very active part of the park. There's no <laughs> attraction. One way road. So there's a one road that goes it's into the its area. Own district of yeah. Idaho. Yeah. So there's yeah. no jurors there. Yeah. Uh, apparently, unless it was... you, unless like maybe you could say like we could get some park rangers that temporarily live in the area, but like you probably couldn't get enough of them. I wonder oh, if they. Could, oh, here we go. They... Go ahead. In the TV series Yellowstone, enemies of the Dutton family are taken across the border into Wyoming and are executed and disposed of at the train station. It is implied that the rules of the zone of death apply to this practice, too, including the location's juxtaposition with three states, Montana, Wyoming, and Idaho, and the lack of ability to prosecute crimes. So perhaps they're actually trying to take advantage of this loophole. Yeah. God damn. I imagine if they found the bodies, there'd still be a bit of a commotion, but... uh... Yes, I'm sure there could be a precedent set, but so far, there is Correct. no there's no way to accommodate it. <clears throat> I wonder if they really wanted to get you for something, and they're like, this guy is like a habitual murderer, and like we need to stop this person. I wonder if you could do something like, while the person was being held for trial, you could establish some kind of permanent residence and move people into this area <laughs> to then right. select them as jurors. Yeah, like know. depending on how important it was to the establishment to get this guy convicted. Uh, there is also like Congress could just pass a law that says this, mm-hmm. this selection or this portion falls under, you know, another state. I'm sure they could also just like executive order some crap. So like, I, obviously it's not an impenetrable loophole, but right. It's like, depending on like, if you just, you know, piss people off enough, something will happen. They'll right. send you to Guantanamo or some shit. <laughs> like, like he's suspected of treason. We have to interrogate him. <laughs> Goodbye. Yeah. Like, yeah, you just get thrown over the damn into the hole. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, realistically, someone like Sheriff Longmire just shoots you, and like we get done. As I was like, yeah, as like sort of death. He we'll was just resisting. Of death him. Yeah, yeah. Huh? Found he uh, used his own my own damn loophole against me. <laughs> yeah. 
Well played. Your last word. Is that when they're like you're going for revenge? <laughs> dig two graves because the sheriff will kill you. Like is that how that works? Yeah, just imagine like going on a scavenger hunt on a twelve hundred square mile stretch of property, and like even if like the thing you know something exists on this property, you just don't know where it is. Like you could park a jeep on that property, and they might never find it. Like let alone try to discreetly dispose of a body. Yep. So my kids have been watching some interesting shows, a lot of like how to survive stuff. Like, uh, yeah, uh, ish. But like more like uh, if Alone? you're being charged by a kit buffalo, what should you oh. do? Uh-huh. Lie down. Uh, what if uh, you're in the middle of a tsunami? What do you do then, uh, Brandon? In a tsunami? Yeah. Aren't you supposed to climb to like the highest point of land? Yep. Jeremy, yeah. what if you're being charged by a bunch of clowns? What are you supposed to do? Shoot them. <laughs> charged by a bunch of clowns? Yeah. Um. Oh, I... I don't know. Oh, you're supposed to go for the juggler. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I thought this was going to be pay them. They already performed their I knew, I knew it was a setup. <laughs> Bless your heart. And I'm just so glad that you're involved in this now, too. Bless his little heart. This is the. This is also a new thing. Is It's going to come from every direction now, Jeremy. <laughs> I, I definitely got pummeled by that one. <laughs> <clears throat> oh, boy. That was a good one. I tried. Um, Aaron, are you going to be at this tournament? I will be, yes. Nice. Trying to dream crush everyone else. Well, I, I, know, my, I know my plan is to play everyone except you, and then we meet at the finals. That's my, <laughs> that's my game plan. Okay. It worked for me. I was going to say, what? it's a solid plan. As long as you start off round one against my son, we'll be good. <laughs> He's going to give me evil eyes the entire you know, ride back. I think yeah. this was the Omaha tournament was the only tournament I've gone to with Perrin and not played him. I think I've played him in literally every tournament we've been in the same bracket. Uh, did you know? Oh, nope. Show me. I didn't play him at show me. Aaron, did I ever tell you my Perrin theory? I don't know if I ever even told Perrin this theory. Um, I met you guys once a long time ago, like four years ago or something. Um, I realized this the other day in a game. Uh, Blood Bowl. This is the like yes. th- one of two Blood Bowl games I ever played in person. Yes, in the, in the I remember this Bowl. game. I was there, and your and Perrin uh, was playing uh, Skaven, mm-hmm. and it was pretty far into the league, and he had a, a he had a, a gutter runner that could score every turn, like like do a one round turn. And I do nothing about this game. I was just like, <laughs> okay, I'll play guys, and I'll put them down, and I'll play them. And Perrin just goes, all right, I will receive the ball, and I score. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and I was like, I will receive the ball now. And he goes, okay, okay. We play a little bit, play a little bit. Uh, oh, it looks like you dropped the ball, and I score. And he just like he did. He, the game was like the game was like five. It was it ended at like five to, to zero or something. I don't think I did, ever did a thing. I just watched my guys lose, and Perry just kept this one gunner runner just kept running into the. It, I have a feeling at the end of the game he wasn't even trying really hard to get in. He was just like walking backwards into the end zone. And that was such a, a stomping that I actually lost a lot of my opinion for that game. <laughs> I lo- <laughs> like I did not want to play the game anymore. And I think this is my parent theory is all of that is now been inverted in its polarity for MCP. And that's why whenever we play each other, 
like I have the most dumb luck and the most ridiculous stuff. I think that's what happens. I think that's some sort of inverted polarity. He's cursed. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. now I also think that if I ever play Perrin in Blood Bowl again, I th- I expect it to be the same. I expect exactly the same thing to occur. I don't care. There are playing. definitely some broken combos in Blood Bowl. Still the best game ever. I think that's a bit much. It's definitely the best game GW's ever made. Yeah, I'm. A, I'm, I'm... And they're the most successful miniatures company ever. So you could make a strong argument it's the best game ever. Nah, that's a, if that's if that's your leg to stand. That reasoning is a stretch, but no, the actual game itself is superior. Like the core rules, uh, the core rules, the community uh, organization, everything about Blood Bowl. The there's is, is definitely awesome. a diehard following that wants that game to never die, and they're doing a good job. So, all right, episode one hundred has ninety five plays already. Hell's yeah. And it's only been five days. Month and a half. It's pretty, it's pretty good rate. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. We have a lot of episodes. With like over, We have four episodes with over 150 listens. Ooh. Hot. My, my, uh, my bot hot. is listening to those extra hard. <laughs> we only have four actual listeners. So if you are one of our listeners at home, congratulations. You're the 25% majority. I love the idea that you made a bot that somehow has only played our, like 120 times. It's just, it just plays it on the loop. worst bot. It's just the worst bot ever. It's just like, when I get around to it. It's just like, it's just, it's, bots don't sound like that, internet. But I have this feeling that somehow Brandon made the laziest bot that just sits there it's like dividing the butter robot from yeah. Rick and Morty. Yeah, like, oh, <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Your job is to listen to my podcast on repeat. And he's like, oh my god! <laughs> I, I like the idea that is you like it's like a broken clock, like <laughs> like it divides by zero until like every forty four hours it plays one episode of, yeah. of our podcast. <laughs> well, no, actually, if you if you did the math and just played it on end looped. Like end to end repeatedly, mm-hmm. I would be willing to bet that's a that's close to five days of listening, right? Ninety five plays. Mm-hmm. It's roughly two hours and ten minutes. Let's just call it two hours. So that's twelve times a day times five. Oh, that's only sixty. So that's it's listening to them at a rate of faster than normal listening speed. So the bot's doing a good job. Okay, nice. It's it's dual boxing. It's listening to it twice. I take it back. You're a genius. Yeah. <laughs> I like the logic also behind a, like the mental stability of a person who would create a bot to listen to his own podcast to increase the view counts mm-hmm. and then also not monetize the podcast. <laughs> like the, the logic that that person would have to have Pure seems like a psycho yeah. like me. Your e is large. Mm-hmm. Alrighty, are you guys ready to go? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, so remember Discord names. Jer- Jeremy, do you want to change your Discord name before Never. we do this? Never. No. Okay. All right. Just I don't, I don't believe in your nonsense. Well, I don't know. I assume that this isn't a problem, but I don't know if people want to put their full name on the internet, so I usually don't use people's last names. Okay. I work for the government. My name's out there. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> My social, credit cards, <laughs> whatever. They're all gone. So- 
I heard, I don't know if this is fact or not, but I heard that the, the guy who, you remember when they did those, like, identity protection whip services? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like, the guy, like, comes on, he's like, my social security number is blah, 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 blah. And I, I'm confident in telling you this because I have this security company that protects my identity. And that guy's identity got stolen, like, 78 times or something. And it's like, he had to get a new social security number because of how bad it was. And it's like, fuck this company. Like, because he was just some extra in a TV commercial. Like, he wasn't affiliated with the company or anything. I thought he was a CEO. That's why he did it. Was he? Yeah, I was think it so. that guy? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That guy's an idiot then. <laughs> Not everybody can invent the sham wow. There's only one <laughs> <Yeah>. of those. <laughs> no um, one can be that successful. That's that's a miracle. One of my favorite uh, things like that I ever saw is there was a, it was a, a security expert, and he was trying to demonstrate to a reporter how easy it is to social hack someone and like get their information. And so he says, he, he, he asked the reporter in the interview, he's like, I, I'm pretty confident that a lot of people could get taken. And the reporter's like, I don't know. I mean, are people really that gullible? He's like, well, who's someone you really care about? He's like, uh, you know, my, my family. He goes, okay, uh, do you have your mom's phone number? And he, he tells it to him and blanks it out for the uh, interview. He says, okay. And so he calls him right then. And right then he's like, mom, 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 I don't have a lot of time. Real fast, uh, do you remember what your, your social security number is? I need it for one of these forms. I'm, I'm at the bank right now. And she goes, uh, and she just immediately just tells him. And, and the and reporter's sitting there like, Oh God, mom! <laughs> and he goes, and he just hangs up. And he goes, and that's it. Now, now I own your mom. And he's like, she's like, he's like, all you needed was her phone number. It's like all I needed was her phone number, and now, and now I have your mom. I bought that online for three cents. Yeah, and all I need to know is her phone number, and you know your age, you know a little bit about you know who you are, and just a little bit, and that's all your mom needed to completely buy it. And he just <laughs> just sat there. But the 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 point is. It's easy. It's really easy to lose that shit. You gotta be careful. Yeah. It can, everything is on real legit, real fast. Go upside down. I feel like if anyone wants something, they're gonna get it regardless. I mean, obviously, don't don't take pictures of your credit cards and post them online. But uh, I think also, like, congratulations, you stole my ID. Have fun with that student debt. <laughs> I have not had fun with it yet, but maybe you will. Yeah. All right. Moving on to funner topics. Shamwow. Um. Yeah. Not shamwow. All right. Here. Here we go. God damn. Hey, uh, Parker. Mm-hmm. Yes. Why are bacteria so bad at math? I feel like I should know this. Um, it's because they multiplied by dividing. Ah, that's great. Oh, that's shit. Fantastic. You school. <laughs> Dude, you, you're supposed to know this. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think if I had any time, I might, I might have figured it out. You would have got there? Yeah. The problem is I would have said something really dumb, like specifically the vocabulary term. Yeah. Like No, I saw you trying to get there. I was like, oh god, he's gonna ruin it. So yeah. I had to jump in front of it. <laughs> they they reproduce by you know cellular, uh, cellular division. Through mitosis. Yeah. Like, You're like, oh Buck. He ruined the joke. Yeah. So uh I thought we could do something a little fun and have a um after the podcast segment for all of our true fans that listen to the the post ramble. Um so I don't know if anyone here actually watches Always Sunny like I do. But uh, at one point in the show, they try to figure out what all of their roles are within the gang. And so 
I thought we could talk about our rules and because this inspired me while we were we were chatting before we started recording and Jeremy was like I'm the hot take guy and then so I was like I was like that's it Jeremy's the wild card I'm the and wild so card I started, motherfucker started realizing who some people were in the show and so we we know now that Jeremy is the wild card and the, I thought about this basically the entire hour and 40 minutes we were recording <laughs> Well and done. I've come to the sad conclusion that I think I'm Frank. I'm the narcissist <laughs> yeah. that hates everything and is always sour, but also I get really excited for no reason. Also, you're the kind of person who every time you tell a story, I, it must be true. So yeah, it's like that, this that's definitely Frank. happened. That's Frank, right? Yeah. Like they're constantly going bullshit, but then it, it In- was 100% true. Inf- infinite conviction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I was hoping to be Mac, because like Mac, I like to play both sides. <laughs> oh my god. Hold on. Were you, you, are you are you equating this to roles, actually, or just always sunny characters? Because you kind of changed... Always sunny roles. You kind, of, you kind of changed us in the middle of your description. So the wild oh, yeah. card... But because they fight over who's the wild card, right? In the episode. Well, it's Charlie. It's definitely Charlie. Yes, but don't they? F- I thought they fight over who's the. No, wild card. No, they just keep yelling at him because he's being the wild card in bad ways. Like oh. he tries to set a gas station on fire, which is like that's not going to solve our problems. Yeah, but it's what I want to do. He's like, we understand that, but you can't do that right now because we will die. Yeah. <laughs> we are at said gas station. <laughs> it's like, for example, he. Like, takes a big swig of gas into his mouth from an open barrel full of gas and then turns on his lighter and blows a fireball. And they're like, wow, I was really hesitant for you to do this, but now that I see that, that was fucking amazing. Do that again. (laughs) So they're just sitting there with open barrels of gasoline. So he takes another swig and then Mac is like, no, 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 wait. And he just blows the fireball right in his face. (laughs) Just burns the shit out of him. And then it cuts to the next scene, and they're duct taping a towel to the side of Max's head because he's like got horrible burns on his face. He's like, "I said, don't do it." Like, he's like, "I'm sorry. I just, I didn't know I was going to get you." Like, he's like, "What the fuck, man?" So, so that's that's why he's the wild card. And then he cuts the brake lines of the van. The van crashes and explodes because it's full of barrels of gasoline. Anyway, yeah. So Parker, I wanted to say that you were. I don't know. I don't know what your role in the team is. I think I'm the bird, right? I, I think I'm D. I, I was leaning that way. Yeah. It's like, you're the person that we pick on for no apparent reason, yeah. but you actually generally have decent advice. <laughs> you're, like, you're the sane one in the crew that gets yelled over and ignored. Right. That's Yeah, I think I'm D. Like, at first, I wanted yeah. to be somebody cool. I was like, nah, I'm D. I'm so so this is the problem is aaron is such a straight-laced normal person that he can't be any of the always sunny characters no he's the the straight guy that's the thing he's he's the guy in the scene like these people cannot be serious i feel like Like, i feel like he's uh the lawyer lawyer. like yeah (laughs) the lawyer could be a good yeah he's the one who they keep meeting he's like how do you people keep finding oh no oh i think i got it what if he's cricket in the early years before oh. they, we ruined him? Oh, I, <laughs> and he I, needs to get away from us before we ruin his life. I don't think he's cricket because I don't think he'll fall okay. for our shit. I think he just ba- I think he just backs away. I think it's, he's the I can't remember the name of the lawyer. Uh, what is his name? Yeah, I think his name is lawyer. Yeah, I don't think they ever say his actual name. Yeah. Exactly. How did you get? I know there? it's on like the nameplate in his office, but they never use his name in the show. I know that. Oh, what if he's the waitress? Could he be the waitress? I don't know, Aaron. Do you have a drinking problem? That's. <laughs> My doctor said I need to drink more. Can you have a drinking problem? <laughs> Apparently the answer is yes. 
Because the, the waitress started with no drinking problem, then had a drinking problem. That could be that could be easy. We could do that. I gotta take my my chief slippers off. My feet are sweaty. Hold on. All right. Hmm. Yeah, it's just I don't know. The lawyer is probably a good example, but he's just such a side character. <laughs> I can be a side character. It's all good. <laughs> yeah, but I don't want you to be a side oh. character. You need to talk more. Uh. Hmm. All right. I can't think of a recurring character that works better, though. Like, yeah. See, this just shows how not crazy you are, which is a problem because you know we're exceptionally crazy. <laughs> I don't know. Well, everyone it's on like... the show is very opinionated and one hundred percent convicted in their opinions, and they're all insane. Where, yeah, Aaron's pretty stable in his rationale mm-hmm. of things, and certainly doesn't just start screaming things. <laughs> Where <laughs> any one of the, us three will happily interrupt anyone and just start screaming see, things. Yeah. Did you guys see the episode where um, the bar gets reviewed by a newspaper and they don't like the review? So basically the review says that I went to this bar and it was without doubt the worst bar in Philadelphia. <laughs> and I went there. And basically it was just the four owners screaming over each other the entire time I was there and I got terrible service. I was like, that is exactly our podcast. Like that's like literally all we do. Nailed it and scream at each other and just yell over each other. It's so perfect. But anyway, they end up kidnapping him and uh doing things to his cat. (laughs) None of which was intentional. So Aaron, how many games in are you with Malekith now? Four. Not a lot. Only four? I thought you had three last time we talked. Uh, yeah, and I played one against Jeremy. It takes it to four. But wait, because you played like two TTS games, then you played your son twice with Malekith. Oh, I guess they... I I did one round robin at my house. That would be three. One with Jeremy at the store is four, and two TTS is six. So I'm at six. Yeah, and then you played your your weekly match against that one guy. I did not drop Malekith. Oh, I didn't know that. I I literally just edited it too. I didn't even look at the screen a single time. You guys took forever to set that game up, by the way. Like, half of the game was just set up. I was like, holy shit. And then the game ended pretty quickly. Well, he ended up trying to delete a building, like, eight minutes in, and it took forever to get it back. So that was the problem you were probably looking at. So what do you think? I was, after yeah, playing... I was watching you guys, like, build lists and stuff. Oh, after playing with, Mal- with Malekith, like, what do you think? Uh, that's a very open-ended question. I don't think he's going to be a problem. No, I'm saying, like... In, you know, six months' time, do you think he'll be one of those big faded-out guys that... It's pretty scary, but you don't really see him in every list, because right now he's in every goddamn list. Uh, he'll be just like Hulk and Thanos. Yeah. Okay. He's actually... So, he is so he Thanos is worse... as in ruin the game for two years? Yeah. Well, no. He'll be more like Hulk. So he is actually the, the worst of the three, in my opinion, competitively speaking, because he offers the least amount of displacement. Mm-hmm. Like, That's yeah. Fair. Hulk is really solid as a six because he's got the big health pool. He offers two different types of displacement. Um, he punishes you after you start attacking him. So Hulk is great. Malekith just does one thing. He does that one thing, which is kill people better, but that's it. So I think Hulk yeah. is a better model than Malekith and is probably better on a uh, non-point-for-point basis. What are you going to call that? Just like you're talking, you have seven points. Who do you bring? Hulk or Malekith? You probably actually bring Hulk. If you want a, a more competitive roster. Um, yeah, I guess I could see that argument. 
So anyway, right, I, I think you'll still see Malik a lot of like him right? probably it's in real life on... as opposed to TTS for anyone does who has he get his, pain in him. Does he get his throw regardless of damage? On on damage. You have to damage. I believe so. Aaron? Did we lose Aaron? Yeah, we must have oh, lost Oh God, him. don't tell me he set his clock to the wrong time and his internet turned off. Oh no. <laughs> it is midnight, isn't it? It's like exactly it 12 midnight. noon it's right exactly now. It's exactly 12 midnight oh, no. and he dropped... He's maybe they forgot about daylight savings time and like set the the router to the wrong. Well, time. this kid's back in school, for, so yeah, yeah. For people at home, he has a uh, a child lock on his internet that turns on <laughs> at, at one a.m. and it was it had been off, but I, he said he was going to turn it back on this week, so maybe he set it for the wrong time. Let me message Aaron. So Parker, are you still going to lean into Inhumans? I think that's. I think with the amount of practice you've had lately, it's the right call. Yeah, me too. I just think for the next week, you should go out of your way to try and play into things you have not played into before. Mm-hmm. And so Aaron will be a good person for that because obviously you. Have, I don't think you've played Aaron with Inhumans yet. No. And he's going to be playing the stuff that's really popular at the moment. Right. I'm. I'm not too concerned about Malekith, like not in a, in a big way, because I've seen. I've seen in humans just uh, every time I played against a big model, I've done okay. You put the model there, cool. Plus one dice and just sh- just get attacked. Attack, 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 attack. So attack, yeah, attack, the plus attack. one dice is relevant, but you're the issue I'm going to have is that he's going to have the damage to just pick whoever he wants on your side and get rid of them. Mm-hmm. And so if he comes in and like let's say takes out Bucky, and he's going to go really late on the first turn because there's no reason to let you attack him on the first turn. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you're not going to really get any turn one attrition work. So on turn two, he's going to have priority more than likely because he's got a seven-pointer. And he's going to just, let's say, for example, either walk up and daze Black Bolt or Bucky. Mm-hmm. What do you do then? Like, mm-hmm. can you still recover? You can't mod your dice against him. So the full reroll stuff, the single reroll stuff. Mm-hmm. And he's getting crits on defense and on offense. So that's a lot. Obviously, if you have Inhuman or if you have Ghost Rider in the list, that is a good balancing factor. But what happens yeah. when he just goes up and attacks Ghost Rider in that situation? Mm-hmm. So your five-pointer is basically never going to get to attack. And so you're going to be playing Deal with the Devil really early. Um, so it's just it's just interesting. I don't know how that whole trade value thing works out. Mm-hmm. So timing-wise, I had a question about his whole... It's the same with Domino. Um when they spin for rerolls, did we come into the answer of oh my god, what happens when you recal it? How many skulls do you um, get? How many crits do you actually get? It sh- by the wording on the cards, it should one hundred percent be whatever the final roll is. Um, and you because the skulls don't matter because it says on the card, and I'll I'll read it verbatim yeah. just to make sure that I don't misquote it because we've had this issue before. Um, Cloak of Shadows says. Uh, after this character rolls, attack, defense, or dodge dice, but before resolving critical steps, it may spend any amount of power to use mm-hmm. the superpower. For each power spent, comma space, choose one skull to treat as a critical for the remainder of the attack. So, but, it should be you're choosing a specific one, unless they are just... Com- and again, the rules form is where the rules yeah, form yeah. is. If I don't know what fucking logic loophole you'd have to jump through... To make that make sense, but I'm sure that they have. So the attack is different though than the attack roll because the attack roll is before that shit. Yes. So that's why that okay that makes sense in that fashion. I okay. I, I leave for five minutes and all of a sudden we're talking about the rules for him. 
Yeah, no. right. We, we tried so thing? hard. It lasted an hour and 50 minutes. Yeah. Let the record show. I That's can't leave you guys alone for lasted. two fucking seconds. And I'll... so I'm actually pretty sure, Jeremy, that they've ruled it the opposite way on the rules form based on messages I got from a fan. Uh, so, but again, I hate going to the rules form so much because every time I read anything, it's just like, what, what logic are you using to make this ruling? And they never justify anything. They just say yes or no. I'm just like, are we reading the same words? Because it doesn't seem to be reading the same words. So I was confirming or denying. I'm trying to figure out, because I use Domino now in X-Men a lot, so I want to know, and I want to know how Malekith works. So at the end of everything, and all the crits are paid for, and all that shit, and they dump all the dice, and you see how many you got, and then you recal it. How many fucking crits do you actually get? Do you want me to check the rules for him, is what you're saying? I mean, I couldn't find it. Or you I, want I me to tell it. you my, under- my understanding of the rule? As I, I of... No... A, month, a week ago, there was an open question to... Oh, I think that was by the guy that messaged me on Facebook. Um, let me see. What is your current understanding of it, Aaron? I don't have one. Okay, so it, it's still kind of open, right? Like, it's still yeah. kind of right, like... so if, the... if you were resolving this in a game, what would you do? How about that? If somebody... You, if Malekith attacks somebody... Yeah. Full dice rolls. You pay. You spend three for skulls. You get all your explosions. Then your opponent plays recal. What? What's the final result? I Are would you choosing new dice that will count as skulls. Yes. If I overpaid and have extra skulls in the bank and then roll skulls in the recal, they will turn to crits. If I have but only all... if you overpaid at the time of spending. Yes. Because it's because you have to choose for each instance of the ability. That is how I would rule it right now. Okay. But you're saying, so just to clear it up, you're saying, say you overpaid, you, you overpaid by three. Yeah. So you have... Basically, what you should do is you should count the power spent as charges. <laughs> and every time he says, this skull is a crit, it expends a charge. Am I correct, Aaron? Yes. And so let's say in the initial roll, he has one skull. Mm-hmm. He spends three. Counts that skull as a crit, rolls another one. He's got two tr- tr- left. That skull rolls into another skull. That one's also a crit. Then at the end of all the dice mods and everything, my opponent plays recal. I re-roll all of my dice, get two skulls in the final roll. I'll use my final charge on one of them to count that as a skull. Or as a, as a crit. I believe that's what Aaron is saying. Absolutely correct. It's the only way I think it makes any sense, which means it's wrong. Yeah. If Well, based on the previous ruling on Domino, I think that is the logic they're trying to use. But again, none of that is fucking stated in this rule. So, no, well, you just created a new core rule to the game: charges. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, there's no rules that govern the way that this logic is being used. Um, what I think would clean this up a lot and make this a lot more fair of a rule is: a, it should be a dice mod. Counting a something as something else should be a mod, in my opinion. If you just want to say skulls succeed, sure. Like, but the, the, the fact that it's not dice mod that effectively changes the die face is stupid. Um, functionally, I think they're correct, but it's just, it's just a stupid logic train. Um, then they should change this to say, before resolving crits, choose skulls. And so it does not work after new dice hit the table. It only works in the initial roll. Just like every other fucking version of a crit. It's not even, it's not only cool because your skulls will count as crits it's way better than crits work and so it's just dumb <laughs> i wanted to uh i know we got in a segue about the rules of malekith but i wanted to mention yeah. something to you specifically brandon about my malekith matchup um 
one key card that's in this list that is actually not super relevant most of the time, but incredibly relevant into big tower builds is last minute save. Unlocked. I out. thought about that. The the issue becomes if they daze you or KO you. Sorry, if they KO you with the first attack that you place and then he just beam fours you. Like it doesn't right. even matter where you go. And then he's probably hitting block jaw as well. And so he's just beaming two people right. instead. Yeah. Which exactly it's whatever. Um, but also, if he does it on the charge attack, he doesn't even need to because he damaged you. So now he gets to throw you. So you just die anyway. And the Lockjaw takes the hit, too, because you throw them into Lockjaw. Because last minute save. Oh, if they damage. Yeah, so I charge you. Last The last minute save triggers on the attack damage. You last minute uh, save, place him yeah. within range of Lockjaw. Now the throw resolves. Throw you into Lockjaw. You're dead. Lockjaw dodges. And you're like... Cool. That was a cool tactics card. I, I don't but, think that works. Does it work that way? I'm pretty sure. Let's check. Because um, after attackers resolved, attacker would trigger. I cannot throw you because no, no, you are it KO'd. doesn't happen after the attackers resolve. It happens immediately on days, which is during the attack resolution. Because it's during the resolve damage step. Uh, you're right. It's in step twelve. Yeah. Yeah. So um, last minute. Yep. Save no, you're right. Says I'm. I might be wrong. No, I think I you're right. Yeah. Um, when an ally character within three of that would be KO'd, Lockjaw may spend three. I'm pretty sure. Yep, I'm also pretty sure that that's Because you're definitely 12. not KO'd after the attack is resolved. Yep. Um, yeah. I'm 99% Malik- sure you've actually done that to me, Brandon. <laughs> I have not, because I haven't played Malika. <laughs> no, I'm saying... <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean. I was, I've was i been yeah, yeah, thrown yeah. into death from that. <laughs> Maybe. I don't recall the situation if it did It's happen. been, like, ever since Inhumans came Two and a half thousand years. Yeah. It's been a long time. Okay. So is, is am I right to say the other the only tactics card that does give Malekith a hard time ish is like escort to safety? Is that really the only one? Fallback, sacrifice, fallback, fallback. Oh no, is... we we talked about this in episode ninety nine. Um, I, I think there's actually a lot that do. Wait, why but... would why would fallback just because if he flubs the roll, he doesn't get to throw you back towards him? Um, it happens before damage. Is the only reason he's saying that. Uh no, it wouldn't work. Fallback Malekith charges. You still do the attack. Right. We still get dazed. Yeah, right. Depending so, on the model, like it's great for She Hulk to have, right? Or Ghost Rider. Um, yeah, yeah. Someone who's gonna probably survive the first hit. Yeah. Or wait, although what? not. Yeah. Why would the first hit it, matter? You still get attacked with fallback. Know. Yes. No. It's a, it's an objective scoring piece. So I think that's fallback. Malekith is trying to hunt down the objective token. You can mm. fall back before the damage gets dealt, and then when you're dropping the token, it's probably not in range of him. That assuming that then he would have to spend a move action to go get the objective, which is something Malekith doesn't really want to do. Got it. I had, but the... again, positioning right. is super important on if it's relevant. Right. I have fallback. I have a squirt to safety. I even have an inspiring monologue on the list. I don't know if that helps against Malekith, but maybe. And again, like, who knows what fucking post this is. I've been looking at through all these posts. What if I use last minute save on Lockjaw and then Indomitable on the character that uh, he attacked? Boom. I think they'd be super excited that you just used two cards. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest. Uh, if, you, if you put... if You put you could play Brace. Like, that would be perfectly fine. Right. Because you're probably going to play Brace anyway. Mm-hmm. I would actually play, I play Patch Up because Patch Up in Inhumans is great. I patch up for yeah, four or five too. constantly. It's amazing. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think Malekith is... I mean, that's the point of Malekith, right? He's supposed to be scary. He gives people to run for their money. 
I think the only I think the only affiliation that feels less threatened by him is probably Shield. I think. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think they're the only ones who who are not upset about seeing Malekith. They go, okay, cool, Malekith, whatever. I think. Well, sure. I mean, if he kills one model, it's one of fucking five three pointers that don't really do much aside from escape everything and kind mm-hmm. of do kind of a little bit of everything. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think Malekith just eats other big boys and four point models pretty easily. Mm-hmm. And can kind of dominate maybe a side of the table or whatever. And also, this is not, we haven't even discussed fucking nightmare phantasmagoria bullshit. <laughs> that thing is stupid as hell. I just remember it was really bad. I can't remember what it actually does. It pushes you and AoEs you. What? Midnight phantasmagoria. Pushes everyone within three and then heals for everyone who was pushed. That's right. Yeah. That sounds fair, right? Three's not that big. <laughs> I mean, honestly. It's a. I think it's yeah, a fine it's, tactics card. It's not. It's, it's absolutely really worth taking. It's, it's really that it's range three because there's a card in the game that already is like better than this, arguably. So, it but it's only range two and it's on medium base, not large base. So. Well, this one also gives a heal. Yeah. No, the heal's good. It's obviously a good card. Yeah. It's just not insane necessarily. So Parker, if I go Malekith into shield, uh, I just try to put Fury in the ground by turn mm-hmm. two. Mm-hmm. I so actually, your that's, trick is how do you keep him alive? Yeah, I actually that's the answer to shield in general. Just like focus on fury because a lot of their stuff relies a lot of their things that that tilt the game really hard rely upon him. So it's either kill him or ignore him. Yeah, like if you have no power, you can eye in the sky. You also can't do it if you're dead. Mm-hmm. There's so many terrible fucking rules questions about these fucking reroll ma- or the. Oh yeah, mix. I looked at it today and I couldn't find a, a clear answer. You could spend an hour on here reading every one of these threads and the follow-up questions and still not know what the fuck's going on. <laughs> I don't know what to do with my hands. <laughs> I cannot find the original post I looked at when we were, I was talking with that one guy about this. Which, again, is one of the reasons I fucking hate the forums. It's not the forums' fault. It's, it's, it, it's the forums is the fault. Like, it's just a terrible way to try and keep track of rulings. Yeah, I think, in my opinion, pretty much, if it's not in the FAQ, it's up to the TO. And if you have a problem with that, it's your problem. I can get behind that. They have 30 seconds apiece to make their case. <laughs> I will judge accordingly. Yeah, I mean, you make your argument. Like, tell me, if you want to show me a rules, like, question online yeah. that will try and sway me, sure. But, like, if it doesn't make sense, I'm not going to follow it. Because there's, like, how many times have this stuff, A, changed... Because I know there's several of these that flip back and forth. Never. And once that they just invented new rules later that have completely changed everything. Like the whole Venom and the the Green Goblin's leadership thing. It's like, what fucking backwards logic do they have to come out with that explained why he gets to re-roll the die? They had to say, well, Venom is the one re-rolling the die, but the die is for another model. I'm like, that's not what the rules say. Like, you're literally making this up. We spent a year trying to figure out how Wakanda worked with re-rolls. Yeah. <laughs> we, I think, again, it damn I near think locked the game up. Like, they, made, they made that a problem. It wasn't a problem before. <laughs> we're going to choose to interpret this word to mean this one other thing. Well, it, it doesn't, though. Uh, well, we're going to interpret it that way. Okay, cool. Yeah, I don't know. I think is the answer. I actually, no idea. actually, legitimately, I've been looking this whole time. I cannot find a single thing that says that you count the skulls after the pre-roll. It says that you can overpay, which 
is weird, but they don't say like, I can't find any instance of somebody saying what happens when you re-roll the skull. Leprechauns and unicorns. Yeah. Because uh, to my understanding, every time you roll a skull, it is a new result. Even if it was a re-roll of a skull into a skull. It's still a new result. Mm-hmm. It's effectively That's what, a new die. That, that was my understanding. So I yeah. I figure that most of that shit gets douched out as soon as you get that next re-roll right. of everything. And so if you just include recal and like Kunlung training in your squad, then Malekith is like every time he attacks, he has to overspend by three. Just to guarantee that the recal doesn't fuck him, like yeah, he's not doing that. So, but yeah, I don't actually see anything in here that explains what happens if you re-roll one of the skulls. It does not mention anywhere in here. I think it's still on the queue to answer. Nice. Well, and I can't even find the question. They won't. The they won't post the question until they have an answer. It stays. What? It stays in moderator approval limbo until they have an answer what? ready. What? I didn't know that. Is that a new thing? There used to be mm. questions that weren't answered. Uh, ever since I've been on, that's the way it's been. Oh my god, I didn't realize that. Yeah, you can't... So those yeah. are all... <laughs> everything on the forum is approved, and that's the best we can do as a society. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. It's not the Wild West, okay? There's rules, Donnie. So Aaron, besides Ghost Rider... Is there an affiliation that Malekith doesn't like seeing? Is it Little Avengers or Steve Avengers? Um, anyone with Bodyguard makes him a little sad. Mm. Uh, Shield is not great because of Eye in the Sky. And then the other two ways to deal with them are displacement and or conditions. I'm not mm-hmm. sure I really care. Like, I mean, obviously every, every affiliation has a tool to, to deal with them. Whether that tool is sufficient enough is... TBD. I would think Magneto throwing shit at him would be pretty good. Uh, I just, uh, so one of my two games was into a Magneto lockjaw team, and I just yeah. owned them. Did you? Yeah. Just kept throwing Magneto back into a corner. And he cleared out that corner of all the shit that was there. But once that's gone, got nothing else to throw. All right. This is the dumbest thing I think I've seen for this specific interaction so far. Grand Illusion Probability Manipulation. Have you seen this one, Aaron? It's a it's the Mysterio card interacting with the Cloak of Shadow. Okay, no. So, um, the question is, you have Malekith attacking somebody under the effect of Grand Illusion, which says your crits don't explode, and they're modded to skulls. Um, the ruling is, um, just for clarification... Um, probability manipulation and cloak of shadows trigger at the dice roll step which is like step two or three i want to say and so they will immediately be treated as skulls which do not explode then in step nine uh is when the defender mods attackers attack dice step they get modded from skulls that are treated as crits back to skulls and that's at the end of step nine, they will be skulls. Then, in the following phase, they will become criticals again, is the ruling. At the next step, step ten, they become crits again. What? Yeah, I don't know. They have phases? That's, I guess. Like, the, the, <laughs> the modification ends, is what he says. Which doesn't make sense, because they should mod the instant the modification happens. They should go back to crits, because they're still treated as crits. But he says they stay not crits until the end of step nine. I don't know. As soon as phase nine is over, 
It's so verbatim. It says they will then immediately become criticals again after the step that they were modded to failures is over. I don't know. Yeah, I can't get my head wrapped around that one. So crits turn to skulls. Then once they're skulls, when everything's flushed out, you can pay and turn them back to crits. No, you don't pay. They just turn back to crits. At what they're point? implying. Yep. They're implying that the ones that you pay for automatically turn back to crits. Well, don't turn back to it. They continue to be treated as criticals. Not during phase 9, but in phase 10. Do you, are you trying to look at this post, Aaron? Uh, yeah, I am now. Um, All right. I'll say I can message it to you. Or I just put it in the podcast chat. Uh, no, Grand Illusion and what is it? I just linked it in the podcast chat. Mm. So I think the logic here being that they're trying to say that the Probability Emulation and Cloak of Shadows are a persistent effect mm-hmm. and that the the fact that you're not actually changing the die face because it was already a skull means that you're not modifying the die which i believe would be incorrect but i'm not sure at least that's not the way i would imagine it because if you're treated as a skull the basically the rule says we are pretending that this die actually is showing a different face which is another reason not modifying things, but saying we're treating it as something else is I think is a bad mechanic. Yeah, I have to read these now. Illusion. It took three weeks for them to answer this question. Yep. I don't know if that's like the normal time frame or not, but that seems like a long time. <laughs> yeah. It's officially late. We're losing Parker, and I need to go to bed, too. All right. Uh, let's go ahead and wrap up, then, and we'll finish this next time, or never, maybe. <laughs> Hopefully never. All right. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Hopefully you had fun. See you later. Bye.